You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Welcome to the Nerd Room, where we talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 99. We're discussing Star Wars The Last Jedi. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. Gentlemen, we are finally here. After two years of speculating, of patiently waiting, we have finally seen The Last Jedi. And we're here tonight to talk exclusively about the narrative, Luke Skywalker, and kind of this divisive reception that it's got. This is a Star Wars film. The expectation is that everyone's going to love it. But we've seen a real divide in fandom, almost a divide at this table. We're starting to get a little bit of a vibe here of this is almost kind of feeling like a review of maybe a DC film. I was going to say, like <laughs> DC is no longer the dis- divisive uh, film universe anymore. Star Wars has taken the mantle and has run with it. And I kind of like it. (laughs) For once, you know, people aren't battling over Batman v Superman. They're battling over The Last Jedi. Which is strange because to me, this is somewhat unexpected, the reception of this. It's been a real extreme swing from one side to the other. I'm landing on the side. I absolutely love this coming out of the theater. You know, I I was prepared for what was going to happen. And I'm happy with the direction that Ryan Johnson took. But you look at the fan base, it's almost cut directly in half. Even to the point of hatred going towards Ryan Johnson, people calling for Disney to remove this from canon. (laughs) We're not even a week out. And there's a fan petition, a literal fan petition out there to remove this film from canon. Now, I don't agree with this kind of extreme reaction, this hatred towards Kelly Marine Tran and Ryan Johnson and the reception that they're getting on social media. If you don't like the film, that's fine. If you love the film, even better. You have your right to express it, but don't go trashing human beings. This is this is not the fan base. This is not the fandom that I'm associated with. And I'm happy to say that everyone in the Commonwealth, everyone's been very receptive towards the movie, pointing out some of the issues. A lot of guys that we've talked to had issues with the first viewing, and it's the second and third viewing that have really hooked people into this. But Troy, (laughs) how are you feeling coming out of this? Oh, let down, man. Let down. (laughs) Disappointed. Um, I've seen the movie twice now. Uh, I'll, I'll probably go see it again to uh, really convince myself here <laughs> of what I'm witnessing. You know, the first time coming out of the film, I, I actually couldn't believe what I just saw. I was like, is this really The Last Jedi? Is this really what I've been waiting two years for? And it's not a bad film by any means. It's just my my expectations were a little different. Um, but uh, yeah, the second viewing definitely helped me gear towards a certain character, which we'll talk about later on in this review. But uh, wow. Um, JJ, man, I, I just can't wait for JJ to get back here and uh, steer this ship properly. Yeah. Now, Sanjay, you're you're coming at this from probably, you know, a, a new 
viewer to a new fan to Star Wars. What is your reaction? Because from Troy and I's perspective, we're, we're kind of sitting on the opposite ends of the camp. Not that Troy's being the, the hateful person. <laughs> He's sitting on the end of a fandom that didn't receive this as well, where I'm sitting on the opposite end. And you're coming at this from not being as ingrained in this universe. Coming out of the theater, what were your first impressions of the film? Yeah, I was super excited, actually, when we first came out of the theater. I thought, well, this is a pretty good film. And I really enjoyed a lot of good scenes. And I thought it was a really fun movie. And there, I had issues with it. Um, but I think maybe my issues may have been a little bit different than your guys' issues. Because I don't read the comic books. I don't read the books. I don't read any of the other tie-ins. So for me, Star Wars kind of revolves around one person. So for you guys, you probably know a lot more Star Wars lore than I do. 100%. Guarantee well, you guys I, know. I'd say in this case, that's a good thing. Like, yeah. The less lore you know about the books and the comics, the, the better you'll probably receive this film. I think so. Because if you look at kind of the audience reception, on Rotten Tomatoes is sitting at, what, 55%? Yeah, 56. Which is yeah. below Suicide Squad. <laughs> I just had to get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. But the critics is at 93%. Yeah. Do you feel maybe the critics are you know a little bit biased i mean that's a or do you think the fans are like i guess it depends on how you receive this film but do you think the critics are willing to overlook certain things because they are big star wars fans or do you think the opposite because we've seen a lot of star wars fans that are hardcore fans not enjoy this film well it's interesting that you put it that way because I'm, I'm not sure with the critics and this really makes me question the kind of the division you get on Rotten Tomatoes. We always use it as a proxy kind of a gauge and we usually mm -hmm. use the critic score as to kind of rank these things relative to one another. But this is one of the first times I've ever seen it go this far in the opposite direction. And I don't know if this is just a huge fan outcry reacting to this. Is this people walking into this expecting kind of Empire Strikes Back again? Because if you go and look at all the material, and we talked about this last week in quite a bit of detail, is... To me, at least, they've been preparing us for this film for two years. There's a literal quote from Luke Skywalker in the trailers that says, this is not going to go the way that you think. And to me, I've always received that as Ryan Johnson, as the, the director, talking to the audience saying, look, guys, this is going to be very, very different. And it's almost Lucasfilm putting a stake in the ground and saying, going forward, this is going to be a different universe. Because essentially, and almost literally in the film, they burn this to the ground, this universe. <laughs> At least the foundation of it. And try to take it in a different direction. Yeah. And I think some people are seeing this as an extreme swing. It's not a gradual changing of the guard. It yeah. is a very abrupt change. You go from J.J. Abrams, you know, th there's a lot of... Like homage. Even. Yeah, there's a lot of homage to the original trilogy in there. There's a lot of familiar elements. There's a lot of familiar storytelling. Mm -hmm. And this one, we're going in, I think, expecting something different, but maybe not this extreme. Yeah. And to me, I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the end of things where I'm looking at what was delivered here and I'm looking at what my expectation level was. There's a few scenes in here I have problems with, yeah. but overall, I really enjoyed what Ryan Johnson did with this. And I'm really looking forward to what he can do in a new trilogy without the shackles of the original trilogy and kind of that framework that's been set up around the saga films. So maybe going forward, I think that we're going to see a lot of people saying Ryan Johnson isn't the person we want in this universe. But 
maybe people will be a bit more receptive if he doesn't have to fit into this square peg of the Star Wars universe that's been constructed for the last 40 years. Yeah. See, I'm the opposite way around because I like the guys that can play in the Star Wars sandbox as opposed to jump out of the sandbox and do something kind of different. I feel like uh, with J.J. Abrams' film, he put all the tools in the right places to lead us somewhere else and Ryan Johnson starts off the film pretty much just like how Luke feels. He, he tosses the lightsaber and I feel like that's his mentality throughout the whole film. You know, did you have expectations about Ray? Throwing out the window, <laughs> you know, uh, Snoke, I'm throwing it out the window. All these things he threw out the window. Um, he introduced us to a couple, actually like three different force powers. Um, yeah. Some of them were kind of wacky. One of them I grew to like, the second viewing, uh, which is the Kylo Ren and Rey connection. I thought that was actually uh, kind of cool. It could have went south, you know, if Kylo Ren was in the washroom at the time and Rey <laughs> pops in, like, what are you doing? Like, oh my God. <laughs> but, but, but going to what you were saying, Sanjay, with the, uh, the critics, I don't know, with that score, I mean, the critics are like, they're not as hardcore as like some of us are with the with Star Wars, right? So they might be looking at it in a different sense, a different light as well, how, how like we're looking at it. So when they see these things, they might be, you know, reviewing it on a different kind of scale as opposed to like some of the hardcore, like sweaty, huge Star Wars nerds yeah. that are just going, you know, just ripping up this film, giving it that 56, whereas the, the critics are like, well, it worked for me on this level. They're seeing it more as like a film and not so much of a Star Wars movie. So maybe that's why the score is high. I don't think there's any kind of like bad blood going on or any kind of, you know, bots or, or anyone's getting paid out or anything like that. Yeah. Do you think if this wasn't called Star Wars, if this was called like Star Stream or something, like just like an original film, do you think we'd even be talking about this film? Or do you think it would make no noise whatsoever? If this was like a complete, like Star Wars didn't exist, this was like a, just a brand new, like original film, do you think we'd even like be talking about it here in the nerd room? Huh. That's, that's hard well you look at there's a lot of franchises that have tried to kick up in the last couple of years yeah. that are at least star wars adjacent they're trying to create this thing the only thing that's been successful is guardians of the galaxy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this kind of space opera yeah. if you'll call it that yeah. right. and i i don't know it's hard to gauge that because you know we're sitting 40 years deep exactly. into this universe yeah. into this fandom you've this is a multi-generation fandom one of the only ones that's like this and it's a rabid fandom and it's a passionate fandom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so that's why we're seeing this, this rapid swing. Like, The Force Awakens didn't get quite the same reception. People were calling it kind of a reiteration of A New Hope or whatever. And if you remember back, the prequel reception was not quite, I don't know if it was quite the same. There wasn't the same type of forum for expression. Yeah. There wasn't podcasts, yeah. there wasn't the internet really. I guess maybe there was a bit, but right. I don't think there was still that forum, that protective forum for someone to go out and say, F you, Ryan Johnson, or throwing out hate mail to Kelly Marine Tran. Like, it's right. disgusting yeah, to see horrible. stuff like that. Yeah. It's like I said, it's have an opinion, but express that and move on. Yeah, it doesn't have to destroy your whole. Right? Yeah. 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 Like, separate sure. the actor from the, the art. Like, it's not her fault. If you didn't like the scenes that she was in, it's not her fault. You know, she was just acting and she was just got this role in Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. Who's going to turn down yeah, that role? Yeah, really? Exactly. Like, I, no one in the right mind would ever turn down no. a role in Star Wars. So separate that. And it's kind of disgusting to see. I mean, I like to think we live in a better place, but some of the hate that she's been getting is just 
totally uncalled for. I didn't hear about this till now. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, so, not, it's not great. It's, yeah. it's, it's pretty bad out there. But you know what? At the end of the day, a lot of people still went and saw this film. Oh, yeah. This pulled in $220 million Ooh. over the weekend, which puts me in the driver's seat finally <laughs> for a prediction. I predicted 223, but I did go over. Wah, so I guess wah. technically Sanjay wins. Yes, I guess I know Star Wars the most out of you three. Well, you got 215? Yeah, close to two without yeah. going over, right? Okay, so yeah. I was yeah. close. Is, but yeah. Sanjay wins by default. Troy was in default. The two greatest words in the English language. <laughs> <laughs> so this thing, it did a little bit less, as we kind of predicted, as everyone really predicted, than The Force Awakens, yeah. two hundred forty-seven million dollars. Of course, it was going to do that, but it had a four hundred fifty million dollar worldwide total for this weekend, without opening in China. Wow. Jeez. Very, very impressive. I think it's fourth or fifth all-time global opening. Wow. And some of those other films had the China box office. I think mm. the the Jurassic World, the Jurassic uh, World, Jurassic yeah, World. Yeah. I think it opened bigger, but it also opened in China. And I think one of the Fast and the Furious films as well. So this thing did gangbusters at the box office. People were going to see this. When we went and saw this, the theater was jam-packed. It was a great experience. There was a lot of fans there. We did the opening night fan event. Now, you can't see me. I'm doing this in air quotes <laughs> because we were promised kind of this this cool fan event and it really wasn't anything much more than seeing the movie an hour earlier than everyone else we did get this exclusive card uh, i got like six of them i think it's just a card set <laughs> so I simply got all of them everyone was giving them to me <laughs> and there's also this cool exclusive content now yes. i wasn't aware of what exactly that was but as we sat down to the theater at 6 p.m we walk in they did have popcorn for everyone but i think they had a limited amount because no one that i saw that we were with all 18 of us no one got the free popcorn yeah well, I, I got, got the own. free popcorn i you got did? my own because yeah. there's no butter though with it oh. so i was like no nah, i gotta get my butter <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but we sit down and we go through what feels like a painfully long sequence of commercials and then finally get into the trailers and then Ryan Johnson pops up on the screen and says you know thank you you are the hardcore fans you guys are here opening night at 6 p.m I have something special for you. I smacked Sunday. <laughs> I swore to God they were going to show a Han Solo trailer. Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Okay. Uh, but it makes sense that they didn't. They did. The, you can't show Solo, have the yeah. crowd going all crazy yeah. the first time they're seeing us, and then say, oh yeah, by the way, we have to go watch The Last Jedi. Right. Yeah. But it was this really great vignette or tribute video to John Williams, yes, who had been man. doing the score for 40 years, walked through the process from within The Last Jedi, going back and looking at him, doing the score from A New Hope. Yeah. So it had Ryan Johnson sitting there on the sidelines while he's scoring the movie. Really cool. John Williams is a master. He is just the greatest of all time. Yeah. And he's it was really cool. It was, what, like about five, six, seven minutes long? Yeah, just yeah. enough. I want to see more of that, though, on yeah. the, um, the Blu-ray content. Absolutely, sure. yeah. Yeah. Because Star Wars always gives us some really good Blu-ray content. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I've heard that there's like 20 minutes of deleted scenes coming. Yeah. Ooh, release wow, the Zack crazy. Snyder cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're calling for it. He's a big Star Wars fan. Yeah, that, that was really cool to see that. I think it was a great way to start off the film. It, it kind of got you into that, that nostalgic feeling. And then, boom, we get the opening crawl. Yes. Yes brilliant here just yeah. brilliant yeah. it's and it was one of the things we talked about speculating on what was the crawl going to be how are they going to sort this out because this is the first time we're picking up a film directly after another usually there's a time gap whether it's six months 10 years whatever it's ever been there's always a gap so there's always some time to fill in with the crawl this episodic nature of star wars always calls for a crawl because it's trying to fill you in on a story that you're jumping kind of into the middle of this was always george lucas's idea you're jumping into the middle 
of a story. We're never going back to the start. And this time we're, we're picking up directly where we left off. And we we're always worried, like, we need something to start in space. Yes. So where is this going to start? And we've seen a lot of speculation from around fandom that we're actually going to start with the evacuation of Dakar. And we do start in space with the First Order after eliminating the Republic, the New Republic, from Starkiller Base and kind of coming off the back end of the destruction of their mega weapon. They're attacking and trying to put an end to the resistance here. Now, this opening battle sequence is a bit reminiscent of Empire Strikes Back, one of my favorite films, one of my favorite sequences, where you have the Empire pinning down the Rebels on Hoth. And I got a lot of feeling for this. This really got me into the film right at the start here. And I love seeing Poe. I love seeing this battle sequence. What'd you guys think of this first battle sequence, kind of throwing you in to the deep end of a Star Wars film? Um, honestly, the battle sequence was cool, but I could have done without the like the one-liner jokey humor. <laughs> like I was like, what is this? Is this like a kid's movie when he's like, hello, I can't hear you? And uh, I, was, I was just sitting there like, this better not be two and a half hours of one-liners and jokes like this. Because honestly, I don't know if like that's the way stars has always been. No. It doesn't seem like it to me. So the only time we've ever really seen that, and this is something we're going to touch on right here, is the humor aspect of it. Because that's something that's a little different than, than we've seen in the past. But if you remember back Force Awakens, our first interaction with Poe and Kylo is very similar to this. I see. I don't think so. So when this movie started off, like well, obviously we get we get Kylo or sorry, we get we get Poe and we get um, Hux. Yeah, yeah. And Hux, you know, in the last film was was kind of powerful. He's kind of a little bit of a whiner, but you're like, okay, this guy has some respect, right? And here, Poe just makes him look like an idiot. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. You, you got to be kidding me! Like, what? I was getting worried. What's going on here? Whereas, you know, when we go back to uh, Force Awakens, which you brought up with Kylo. And, and Poe, it doesn't take anything away from Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren is still that presence where you're like, you're not going to mess around with this guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Poe kind of comes off like that very Han Solo-like character. Yeah. But here I was like, come on. Like, yeah. you, you put it down <laughs> hold and oh, it, 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 was, it was bothering me. And I was really holding on to my seat. Like, it, it can't be a movie like this the whole time. <laughs> it cannot be like this. But then we get the bombers. And the bombers is great. And I like the actual plan, the, the strategy going on here with the battle of how yeah. Poe has to stay low to the ground, take out the, like, the four cannons. Yeah, looks awesome. Too. Looks awesome. Yeah. Like, that's great. And those bombers look kind of like Boba Fett's ship, I thought. Kind of. One they kind of look yeah. similar to. Oh, okay. And yeah, I've never seen those, those bombers before. They're, they operate... Kind of interesting. Yeah, they're really cool. Really yeah. slow. <laughs> really slow. Very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but going back to, to the humor here, I agree with you. Yeah. The first time around, it took me out of the film. And there's a couple of very abrupt sequences in this film, scenes in this film, that take me, like, I, it's jarring. <laughs> but at the same time, the second viewing, once I knew those were coming, yeah. they fit a lot better into the story, into the the way that the film is presented. Right. But I, I don't disagree with you. That whole post stuff at the start, it, it went on a little bit long. Yeah. That kind of, it could have just been the the one sequence and you have that guy saying, oh, I think he's stalling or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it did do that. And there's a couple other scenes in here that I found, like I said, they were quite jarring in their presentation. It just didn't feel like it flowed right. Yeah. And so that's almost the issue I have. Not even so much issue, but the, the first part of the film on my first viewing it felt like it was slower. Like it didn't go as quick as I thought. Mm. The pacing was a bit off. Yeah. Some of the jokes and some kind of the abrupt stops and starts that we do get in the film. Mm -hmm. It kind of, it kind of made me step back a bit, but second viewing that all goes away from me. Right. Hmm. I don't see any of that in the second viewing. I don't know if that's an anticipation. I know it's coming, Right. but it feels better when you sit down and you, you actually know that this joke is coming or you know that this very abrupt scene is going to happen. 
Hmm. Uh, I have to watch it a second time. I'm actually really excited to watch it a second time because, as Tim said, that scene, the first time I watched it, uh, opening night, definitely took me out of the yeah. film. I, I was taking a step back and I was like, oh, God. I, I was wondering why the other captain wasn't taking Hux's spot. You know, the other guy that called out exactly what Poe's plan was. Like, that guy's like, whoa, he knows what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has his stuff together. Because <laughs> um, he was know, not a famous actor. <laughs> oh, I, I guess so. I mean, Hux threw down a crazy speech in The Force Awakens. And then yeah. you get Hux here, who's just a completely different oh, Hux. He looks like, he's like so incapable of doing anything. Like, I wouldn't even let him lead like a daycare. <laughs> Like, how is this guy supposed to be? What is he like, number three in command or something? Well, it's between him and Kylo. Yeah. In this film. Well, Kylo wins by default. Again, oh. default coming back to it. <laughs> like, really, would you trust Hux to do anything? Like, if you're like, hey, I'm building like a, my deck this weekend. Hux, do you want to join me? I wouldn't ask him. He's useless. Like, I wouldn't ask him to do anything. <laughs> Well, in, in the film here, he does let this dreadnought, which is a cool ship that I like we're seeing. It. Yeah. It's really cool. The commander on there was great. And yeah. the whole sequence with Poe and BB-8. BB-8, again, he's kind of playing almost what I'd call a prequel era droid. Yeah. He feels very much like R2-D2 out of the prequel era. Just, yeah. It's almost like slapstick humor. And it's a little bit different than the BB-8 we got in The Force Awakens. Yes. Like I felt, and there's another sequence later on where he's in the ATST and he's kind of marching around oh, in that yeah. thing. Again, very prequel era. I don't yeah. dislike it, yeah. but it did felt a little different. And that's one thing that, that we have to kind of be a bit cognizant of here. And the original trilogy was like this as well, is that you had three different directors and one writer, one narrative. But now we're going into a world that we have three, or now we're going to have two different directors. But again... The writing is changing. So George Lucas helmed all of this, had a story going from point A to point B. And this is a little different because we have Ryan Johnson coming in and picking up where J.J. Abrams left off. You look at characters like Poe here, BB-8, and some of the other characters, Leia, that we do pick up a little later on, particularly Luke, is that it seems that J.J. laid some seeds for what he would have done in a Mm -hmm. sequel, and Ryan Johnson's picked that up and actually change the characters around a little bit. So sometimes I feel that the continuity isn't as smooth as you'd like it to be. Right. I find that the biggest character developments we get in here are really around Poe Dameron, who gets a lot more screen time than I thought he would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get a lot from Luke and Ray, of course, and yeah. Kylo, who's oh, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yes, yes. Yeah. But it's interesting to see that because when we get back around to discussing Episode Nine or doing speculation for Episode Nine for the next two years, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what J.J. does picking up again those threads because like you said earlier on Troy there's a couple things in here that we've been speculating on for two years and they're very very abruptly addressed yeah Snoke Ray's parentage or their lineage there some of the ideas of Luke and the force so it's it's gonna be really really interesting to follow the progression of this narrative of this story coming off the back end of the last Jedi because as we get further and further into this film we're gonna see how characters change how they develop and how they actually break them down to kind of this foundational level because the only two people i feel that are mostly consistent from the force awakens through are kylo and ray they feel like Mm -hmm. they have a great character progression in this film and it's more or less smooth coming out of the back end of the force awakens just to uh backtrack on something you said talking about like one consistent voice behind the scenes should that be kathleen kennedy like is that her because she's kind of involved in everything isn't I always thought that she was kind of the Kevin Feige of the Star Wars universe. Kind of, but she's a producer, but I don't think so much for like story development wise. I mean, that would be like Pablo, really. Yeah, well, he kind of keeps track of of canon, but Ryan Johnson was more or less hand of the rain. He had the creative freedom, right? Right. Yeah. 
Um, they, they're given this new tr- trilogy, but they've also seemingly given them a lot of leeway yeah. in this film. They brought JJ in. You look at what JJ has done in the past. Mm-hmm. Super 8. Lost. Uh, Lost. Yeah. You, uh, what, Cloverfield. Cloverfield, yeah. But yeah. all those feel somewhat like, especially Super 8, that love letters to the films of the 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And JJ is someone that captures nostalgia very well. He's able to present something as you remember watching it. Look yeah. at his so, Star Trek. Or, yeah. yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So he's able to do that, reboot things, and bring things. Like I, I like really like this comparison of when you watch Star Wars: The Force Awakens, you watch it as if you were a child rewatching it. So he's captured those scenes and the, the important pieces of Star Wars and put them into that film to make you feel like you're rewatching something from the '80s. Where Ryan Johnson's taken this and said, no, we're going to break this down and do something totally different. And you see it right from the start here. Yeah. You see it right from the humor that we see in this opening scene with Poe and Hux. And you see it as it progresses through this film into the eventuality when we pick up with Luke. Yeah. But before we actually get there, we get a really cool sequence with Kylo Ren as well. Jumping into a starfighter after they've chased them through hyperspace which is something really cool that actually ties really nicely in with rogue one if you remember when Jin's going through the individual plans and that from scarif oh scarif right okay you get them talking about tracking through hyperspace which is kind of a really cool nod to rogue one something that's been going on something that's a legacy from the empire i really like that and and the radis we saw the radis yeah the radis is the ship named after radis yeah admiral radis rogue one which is awesome yeah yeah Yeah, all this stuff went right over my head (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the ship that leia's on that eventually is blown up by the tie fighters that's something that we talked about we speculated on that that was probably going to happen he was going to hesitate and leia being put into a situation where it could be life or death and Mm -hmm. we do actually see that we see first of all the death of Admiral Ackbar. We don't, we don't really even see it. He's, He's not, not even there. Really about it. <laughs> no. Like, oh, by the way, it's a trap died. And yeah. that guy's what? been there since the beginning? He's like an OG guy? He's an OG, OG guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, He's from like episode four? Episode six. So he's oh so he's in episode six and yeah, he's in the Jedi right he's yeah in the first scene. and he's in Force Awakens yes he is in the Force Awakens yeah and he's briefly in the Last Jedi but he is killed <laughs> off here so essentially the entire leadership of the Resistance is knocked off by these two Tie Fighters gone so gone like that now this is another point where the the fandom is quite shooken. And it's the portrayal of Leia here. I think Carrie Fisher is absolutely fantastic in this film. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of conjecture around how they're going to actually wrap this story up with Leia, given the untimely death of Carrie Fisher, the princess of Star Wars fandom. And I think it's a testament to the, the crew at Lucasfilm, Ryan Johnson, that they didn't take this opportunity to make or give Leia a story where she actually dies in this film. They could have very easily done it with this scene where she's off in space, almost kind of Guardians of the Galaxy-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but the, the film was done... It was re- done shooting, shooting right? Great. Yeah. But they could have tweaked it in post, yeah, right? They could have been a lot of work. It would have yeah. been a lot yeah. of work because there's a lot of Leia scenes later yeah. on, right? But you could have maybe gotten around yeah, it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But what are your guys' thoughts on Leia using the Force and actually sitting out in the cold depths of space for several, what could be seconds, but actually pulling herself in? A lot of people are calling it... Leia Poppins. Yeah, dun, that's what I was thinking. Dun, well, you dun, mentioned dun, it with dun, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Dun, you know, where dun, 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 dun. you get that sense where she's like frozen. Yeah. Right? Which that looked all great. But then she does that. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. And comes right back <laughs> to, the, to the ship. And I was like, what are you doing? It didn't, it didn't look good. It's one thing that they did that. But it didn't really look that good. It looked like Superman yeah. from the 80s. That Christopher Reeves, yeah. And um, 
the whole the power sense is just it's just off. I mean, when we when we read uh, Bloodlines, there's an incident where she gets blown up too. There's the uh, napkin bombing. Yeah, like she survives that, and we've had senses of her, you know, using her her force to like sense Luke in, Be- in Bespin from Empire and stuff like that. And those sudden those subtle things, which works for me, that makes sense. But for her, full blown, you know, I guess rejuvenate herself after she's she's been killed in space, and then puts this bubble over herself, and then flies like, <laughs> jedis have never flown before not in canon and she flies to the ship one-handed she's not, she's not flying <laughs> she's just pushing stuff out yeah. of the way just... to propel her forward oh man it's it, it wasn't for me it wasn't pretty at all i, I didn't like the scene at all you know i barely even remember this like i kind of do and i kind of just remember glancing over it didn't leave a lasting impression for me but a lot of people are very upset about this yeah scene. it's I've, I've never seen that ever in the cartoons like uh Ro- not rogue one uh, rebels or clone wars i'm sure in the extended view there must have been a, a moment maybe when someone flew or levitated i mean we see luke levitate kind of at the end here when yeah. he's meditating but does leia so she has the force in her and she's well can use it well that's that's the thing that really haven't developed in the new canon very yeah. much is how powerful is leia mm-hmm. and that's why i kind of like the scene i agree that the first viewing it's a bit <laughs> abrupt you know like i thought this was going to be the end for leia yeah. personally we knew from some of the speculation that she was going to be injured in the first part of this film and whether or not she was going to come back was the big question mark. yes and she does but this scene in itself again it's my second viewing that i appreciate it more yeah. because there's always got to be or there's going to be i don't know if the if the princess leia novel really goes into any more depth about this we're gonna get some instances in the comic books where we do see her using the force a bit more mm-hmm. but it's because they haven't really done much with her in the force outside of bloodlines yeah. that this seems again like a very abrupt change or abrupt shift in a character yeah is that all of a sudden she's now using the force Personally, I think it, it makes sense, right? It's it's your body's reaction, if you're powerful in the Force, to preserve yourself. But I, I will give it to you. It yeah. does look a bit funny. Yeah. And because there's been no buildup, maybe if they had teased it a bit in The Force Awakens right. or... But don't they talk about her... Isn't there somewhere, some, maybe this is the EU, where they actually talk about her refusing or not choosing? Maybe this is in Aftermath, where she chooses to not train with Luke. And she chooses to go more the political route instead of the Jedi route. Yeah, I've never heard, I've never heard something about that. But there is, uh, I'm going to say spoilers. Have you have you read at all or, or read any clips from a, from a certain point of view? No, but go ahead. It's soft canon as well. Yeah, but you do find out essentially that I think is Obi Wan was going to want to present Luke to Yoda. And Yoda's like, no, I don't want Luke. I want Leia. Like that's why I want to train. She's the one who needs to be trained. Luke's too much like her dad, basically. So I wonder, like, if Yoda sensed this all along in Leia, that she was that powerful in the Force. That kind of makes some kind of sense that, you know, Yoda's had some kind of inkling the whole time that she's that powerful. Yeah. Do I you, don't know. Do you have an issue, though, with with Rey being able to adopt the Force so quickly? No, it's, it's not even... It, about, oh, okay, be, about being able to use the Force? Yeah, but her being able to use the Force so quickly and Leia after... 40 years being able to do something that, uh, to save her own life a, a little bit but it's more of like the power they presented is just so far-fetched like i know we're in a world where like you know an old man can shoot lightning bolts and, <laughs> and whatnot and you want know, to come lift an x-wing but this power is like something we've never seen before except in like maybe a, a video game like the forced unleashed but it felt very out of place for a star wars film then again the way it was executed but if you rewind a little bit when we do see the initial bombing and when leia gets blown out of her ship that was breathtaking like 
Mm-hmm. I think the whole crowd went silent because like, whoa, is this how it goes down? Like that yeah. part was yeah. was great. It's just the aftermath and we see how they resolve it. That's when I was like, okay. so is it the floating you don't like? It's it's the floating and the power. It just because the power for me just doesn't make any sense in the world of Star Wars. It, so all, all the way yeah. I took it yeah. and understood it was that. Like, she's in the vacuum of space, so gravity, right? right? No gravity. And she's just pulling herself with the Force towards the ship. But Yeah, but I guess in a sense, though, like, if that's the case, then the, you should be able to fly if you are if you can use the Force, right? Like, if you can lift up a rock, you should be able to, like, levitate yourself and Makes move sense. from here to there. But I see what you're saying, because if you're in the vacuum of space, all she's doing, instead of essentially pulling a rock to her, she's pulling herself towards the ship. Yeah, or right? the ship towards her, kind of. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you just need it, like, in... You just need that momentum, right? You just yeah. need a little push. But it's, then it's getting that push. But then there's the other aspect where it's like you're dead, like you're dead in space, yeah. like you're, you're done. Yeah. So the fact that she could live or brought herself back, and then does the whole force power. There's just too much thrown at me at that time yeah. where I'm like, I've never seen this in the in the movies, and to see it now presented like this from a character who's been around from the original, who's never ever used a force power physically. Maybe in a sense, like, she could sense Luke, but apart from that, never really done something this dramatic. It's just like, whoa, pretty pretty out of left field for me. It kind of reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, yeah. where Peter Quill is in space. Yeah. And that bothered me because I was like, what? He's just a human. But then in the sequel, they're like, oh, he's, like, part planet god thingy. Yeah. So that made go. sense. Yeah. You know, they, like, went back and they, like, made it make sense. And for this one, I was just like, oh, she she'd be dead yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm no like astro astronaut yeah i'm no astronaut <laughs> or astrophysicist yeah. but pretty sure if you're out in the vacuum of space no suit you're dead you're done yeah you're blood done. boils you blow. <laughs> yeah dead. you know what it's it is they maybe could have handled it in a different way to show her using the force powers right and i don't know if it was a plot device to essentially eliminate the resistance leadership right and incapacitate leia to the point where this Vice Admiral Holdu had to come into the picture. And then you see, because of that, you see a lot of character progression of Poe Dameron. Yes. He gets demoted from his kind of hot shot right. uh, attack on the Dreadnought. But then he comes back and has this real antagonistic relationship with Holdo, which I really like. So in the absence of Leia, you get a lot more character progression of Poe Dameron. If Leia is there, he respects her enough that he's not going to do what he did. Exactly. He essentially amounts a mutiny. On this Vice Admiral Hole, though, because mm-hmm. you, you get an impression that once Leia is injured and she's kind of left in this coma, you get the impression when they're announcing who's next in line, Poe's kind of putting up his head like, yeah. that's me, yeah, that's me. Noise. Yeah. Yeah. And he'll, 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 here comes Poe Dameron. Yeah. <laughs> and no, it's this Vice Admiral Hole, though. So yeah. I like that they're able to, maybe not the execution of it, but that they're able to put Leia on the sidelines for a bit of the movie yes. and that made room for these two other characters to come into the picture. And I'm really loving Poe Dameron in here. He is fantastic. He gets probably one of the best arcs in the film. Oh yeah. You know, mounting mm-hmm. this mutiny eventually and pulling off Finn and Rose to do the side job yeah. and really pushing the limits of what the resistance is. You get a bit of Han Solo there, but you also get a bit of what's his name from Rogue One, Cassian, Cassian yeah. Andor. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. That he is almost willing to go that next step yeah. to defeat the First Order. You saw this in the first sequence with the bombers, right? Mm-hmm. He disobeyed direct orders from General Leia in the sense that he went and just blew this this ship up, and really was the one that pushed the sacrifice 
mm-hmm. of all of these resistance fighters mm-hmm. for the greater good. Poe Dameron is a greater good type of guy. Where Leia seems to be concentrating a bit more early on here on the individuals at what cost. So mm-hmm. we took down a dreadnought, but it cost us all of our bombers and it cost us a number of resistance fighters, including Rose. Here, a new character introduced her sister Paige. Yes. And this is the first instance, too, where we get this idea of yin and yang. You see the necklace that they're wearing that is later used by DJ. And this is something that they really do a lot in this film is this duality of things. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the on the nose, this yin yang thing. We see this in Ray. We see this with a lot of characters, almost with Poe Dameron and Vice Admiral Holdo, two right. very different approaches. And eventually it comes down to a balanced approach of both. And that's what I like about this film is every character, every arc seems to have some relationship to this overarching theme of balance. And I think that's what Ryan Johnson really excelled at in the first part of this film. And it takes, again, two viewings. And now whether that's a detriment to the film, I don't know. Can you capture all this in one viewing? I don't think so. It wasn't until my second viewing that I started to see a lot of these themes really being portrayed in each and every character as we progress through the film. Yeah. And I think that's Star Wars for the most yeah. part, right? They're, they're very layered. You, you know, they got to marinate. You got to watch those movies a couple times to really appreciate them. But yeah, you know, um, I liked uh, Laura Dern, is it? Yeah. I liked her. She, she was pretty cool. Um, I actually, very interested. I, I mean, I've always been interested to go back to Claudia Gray's book, uh, Leia, because I'm a big fan of Claudia, Gay, Claudia Gray's writing. And um, I believe that character is first introduced in that book. Right? Was she? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. She, not, not Bloodlines, but um, the Leia the other Leia book. Oh, Princess the, of Alderaan? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So I, so I, haven't, I haven't read that yet. I haven't read that yet either. So I guess she's introduced in that book and they go on an adventure to Crate and whatnot. So I definitely want to check that out to see how this character holds up with her, uh, oh, know, cool. her, that, her prequel. Yeah, version, that, that, that makes me a bit more interested in this character because yeah. I liked her, but she again has... Well, we're, we're into full spoiler territory yeah. here, I guess, but she, she is kind of a one and done, right? Yes. I, I thought that we would see her progress within the resistance but For she sure. has a, the kick-ass sacrifice scene later on and, and, and they build her up so well that yeah. when she does make that sacrifice like oh shoot like i was really starting to like her yeah you know? yeah and she has that comment about poe he's a real hothead i like him yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> after having this really antagonistic relationship with yeah. him throughout the whole part or this whole sequence of the film yeah um why didn't she tell poe her plan like was <laughs> that <a> question <laughs> like <laughs> because it would have taken two seconds and we could have avoided mutiny and we could have avoided Finn and, Finn and Rose, Rose going off to Las yeah. Vegas or wherever they went off to. Yeah. Tato bite. Like, yeah. it would have taken two seconds to be like, look, dude, I got the plan. We're going to draw him over here and then escape. Like, boom. I just solved, like, a mutiny right there. Right. It's true. Well, I- there's a lot of the story that hinges off of this relationship, right? Yeah. You, you mentioned the Finn, Poe, and BBA sequence on Kanto bite, mm-hmm. as well as what eventually is what most of the resistance is destroyed by and that's dj turning his back on them and revealing that this is actually what they're doing they're cloaking their ships and then they end up losing three quarters of the resistance on the way there so that's an interesting point because i I, this whole finn rose and bb8 sequence and on canto bite this orchestrated by poe and Maze Katana as well, which is oh. kind of a weird insert into the film as well. <laughs> oh, poor Maz. Poor Maz. <laughs> Troy, tell me how you feel about that scene. <laughs> it, it was so out of place. It was so out of place. You know, Maz was probably one of the biggest hits for a new character that came out of The Force Awakens. Everybody loved Maz Katana. She was, she was awesome. She was great. I think right away, we're all like, where is that black series of this figure? Yeah. You know? And 
we all knew she was going to be in this movie. And I'm thinking, nice week to go back to that that planet, her castle, even though it was taken down, I guess. But yeah. we're going to see her in the flesh, not in a hologram, not in this weird Jetsons projecting <laughs> thing. And she's in a battle the whole time doing like this, 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 you know, found footage going on with her. And she's explaining that, you know, you got to go find the dude with the rose and yada, yada. And it was just so bad. And I was like, what are they doing right now? <laughs> and the fact that it's, it's, it's Poe that reaches out to her. I'm like, you never met, met Finn. Her. You've never Finn for his eyes. What are you doing talking to Poe? You don't even know Poe. Yeah. You know Finn. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't even pick that up. <laughs> so an easier yeah. way to do this would have would have been to have her on the ship. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a deleted scene or at some point in The Force Awakens where she actually came back to Dakar with Ray or Finn or someone. Right. Okay. And then they could have she could have been in the ship as they evacuated Dakar as well. And she said, you know, I know this guy, yeah. this guy named DJ. Exactly. Maybe it would have made more sense for her to go on that mission along with Rose and Finn. Yes. It's just how it develops. I agree. Narratively, it, it really falls over on itself when it gets towards the end, towards the reveal that DJ turns back and then everything kind of gets screwed up by it. And the fact that Holo never really reveals to Poe Dameron. And that's, that's one thing I think that, we have to recognize as we're talking through this is that we're going to see holes here and hopefully they get plugged up at some point or another with an actual story here. We're, we're going through this at a quite a high level and a bit of a pace here to try mm-hmm. to get through the whole film. And we haven't even started really talking about Luke Skywalker. Right? <laughs> but that, that's the thing here is that, that I'm really interested in because this is being an ongoing discussion within The Last Jedi. I think it's too dense of a movie mm-hmm. to, to discuss for just an hour and a half here. We're going to have to go through this and, and look at the holes and look at the... You look, the whole Star Wars is like this, right? There's this plot holes here and there and they get plugged and filled by movies. Yeah. Like Rogue One was fixing a plot hole <laughs> in a new hope yeah. right yeah. so it's it's interesting to see these because that's probably the outside of some of the humor and some of the other things we're going to talk about here that whole canto bite scene which is started right here at the start of the film with poe finn and rose and and poe's really opposition to vice admiral holdo's plan yeah that that's what really drives this and a lot of people weren't too thrilled with the whole canto bite scene no so sorry, sorry before we get into that scene um go back to what's her name holdor holdo holdo hold the door hold the door yeah. <laughs> did you pick up like kind of like a romantic vibe between her and uh general leia on the ship it seemed like they were kind of no but see that could probably go back to the book even though i haven't read it you haven't read it but that no. could be going back to the book because they're they're buddies yeah um by romantic level, though, I don't know. I didn't, I yeah. didn't, pick, up, I didn't like, pick up on that one. I kind of picked up on that. And, like, that's fine. Like, yeah. whatever. But this takes place right after The Force Awakens, right? Yeah. yeah. So didn't, like, her lover, like, uh, um, Han just bite the dust? Yeah. And then she's, like, moving on already? She's like, screw you, Han. <laughs> going over to... <laughs> Girl from Jurassic Park 1 and 3. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another thing that's never really addressed, right? Is that yeah. you, you do see it with Luke Skywalker, right. but the death of Han Solo. Because we pick up almost immediately after The Force Awakens, there's no, there's no real pause in this. The big pause we get in this film is when we go to Canto Bight. We, we step away from the main narrative and do something a little different for a while. Yeah. Do you think they had or they should have had something at the start of the film where there's the acknowledgement of the death of Han Solo? And being that this is a, a nice way to remind people about Han Solo, a character that's going to have a film in less than six months. Yeah. Do you think that's a missed opportunity there? Not to have just a, a slow emotional scene maybe at the start on Dakar where they're 
you know, honoring Han Solo for who he was, the general of the rebellion and so on that helped essentially save the resistance. And although the Republic did die, he prevented it from further destruction. Yeah. You know, you know, um, I actually think that's one of the good parts about this this film is the fact that they didn't really dive on like a funeral or anything like that for Han because it's it captures like that presence of war like this is war and people can die any minute just like yeah. that and you don't get a chance no. to have a funeral and do a whole big Naboo funeral yeah. like Qui Gon <laughs> and whatnot right <laughs> so that that kind of works for me but I wish we could have heard some more like comments like you know maybe like Leia looking at Poe being like you're just you're too much like Han or just little things to yeah. be like hey man this yeah. guy was just around. Not too long ago, you mentioned his name a little that, bit. That would have been yeah. really cool. Yeah. Like, you remind me so much right. of Han Solo, and look where he is. Exactly. Like, like kind yeah. of reference yeah. that a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. That hot-headedness got yeah. him. You know, Han's luck ran out at this point in his life. Yeah. Don't let that run out on yours too early. Right. These, yeah. these type of lines, right? These not so much throwaway lines, but connective tissue lines. Exactly. I could have uh, definitely used that. And, and one thing, kind of just rewinding, it's a little off topic, but I really do appreciate the scene of, um, of Finn. So here we were when we, we start off the film, and I mentioned right off the bat, I didn't like the humor whatsoever. And then we get Finn in like the water suit and it's leaking. And I was kind of <laughs> like, what's going on? And as silly as it was, as soon as he finally comes across um, Poe and they have that cool reunion, because those two's chemistry yeah. is awesome. And right away, Finn's it's like Ray, where's Ray? And I, I dropped. I was like, well, that's that's pretty cool because yeah. Force Awakens built up such a cool connection between him and Ray, and he's really trying to find her. And I just really like how everything just kind of drops, and he he mentions Ray's name, like where is she? And I really like how his mission is to find Ray throughout the whole time. And it was much like in Force Awakens, he was trying to find Ray, yeah, the whole time. So I do appreciate that little scene. I just wanted to give a shout out. Well, now he's got a new love in his life. Yeah, which is kind of forced because it, it's like a weird triangle, right? It, <laughs> Rose seems into him, but he seems into Ray, and, Ray and Ray's seems just like, into... I'm just trying to train. Yeah, you know? just trying to be a Jedi. Yeah. That's, <laughs> a, that's actually a good point there, and that, that kind of made something click in my head here mm-hmm. a bit about the the Canto bite scene and the driver behind it. It's, to a degree, maybe a bit more driven by Finn as, as we kind of talk through this in the sense that he needs to get off. That's why he's looking to get in the, the escape pod, right? Exactly. He's looking to take that tracker as far away from the supremacy as possible. He right. wants to protect Ray. Yeah. And maybe it's a bit more about that and less about Poe's mission. Right. You know, Finn's going along for the ride because he thinks this is the only way that he can prevent the First Order from getting their hands on Ray. Now, she eventually goes and gives herself up to the First Order, <laughs> which is, is, is I think it is an appropriate way or appropriate progression for ray yeah but maybe if we look at it from that perspective more about why this whole canto bite scene actually happens less about holdo telling or not telling poe what the plan was and more about finn using that as leverage to get off of the ship and far enough away and kind of come out with an idea or a plan where he can actually save ray because you're right that's his whole mission in this film right is to save ray prevent the first order from getting their hands on ray right yeah, and it's that it's that transition too. When he says Ray, boom, we go into the last scene of the Force Awakens. Yeah, so we get that music too, right? Yes, big, oh. it's a big buildup. We've been waiting two, two years. years to see what is Luke gonna do when he gets the lightsaber. We talked about it on this podcast last week. God. Yeah, we said, "What's Luke gonna do? What's he gonna say?" You know, this is an epic moment in cinema. This could rival the unmasking of Darth Vader. You know, like who who Darth Vader turns out to be his dad. This could have been like epic, and so we're all on the edge of our seats. Pins and needles. Oh man! Oh, you got that feeling in the pit of your stomach. Like I was here, one of the first people to see this, and then what happens? Throws it. 
He throws it the away. The gnome looks past to the cliff. Oh my god. So again, I'm coming up the heels of Finn. I'm like, okay, we're back. This movie's on the right track. Yeah. And he just tosses the lightsaber. Like, what? Put some respect on that name. <laughs> that's that's Anakin like that's Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. You know, like you can't you can't do that. Oh, you must like you Anakin's your boy. That's, he disrespected his it, father's it, it, lightsaber. Heritage, you know, to that lightsaber. Maz, you know, talks about the lightsaber. There's a connection with that with Ray and that lightsaber. There's so much that goes down with this lightsaber. It gets destroyed anyways. But but Luke just tosses it out. And I'm like... And you know, it's not even a matter of like... It wasn't... They didn't do my theory or your theory or your theory. It's nothing to do with that. It's just the fact that they put zero effort into this. There's been a buildup this whole scene. And he just he just tosses it. He could have done anything. He could have even thrown it in front of him and with like some disgust. And I would have been like, okay with that. But the fact yeah. that he just threw it. He hasn't seen the thing since Bespin. Ha. Ah, man. Killed me. <laughs> that killed me. was probably the scene in this film that bothered me the most. Yeah. I I really still, even on second viewing, struggle with that reaction. Like if you remember to the end of The Force Awakens, we waited for two plus hours yeah. to see Luke Skywalker. Every time something big in The Force happened, like when that lightsaber flew past Kylo oh. and into Rey's hands, I thought that was going to be Luke Skywalker yeah. in The Force Awakens standing on the side of that. So we'd been waiting for a long time for the resolution of this scene. And I felt very underwhelmed by the delivery of it. And even second viewing, I'm seeing a lot of things that maybe I struggled with a little bit on my first viewing. They had really come to light and really come to fruition. I really saw the driving point behind Ryan Johnson's direction there. But this, I still don't understand why it was treated this way. And that comes back to some of the, the respect for the franchise. I'm not saying that Ryan Johnson is disrespecting it, but at the same time, if this was coming and J.J. Abrams had returned, this wouldn't have been like this. And I was looking for just more of, I think, what you were. Like, this idea that there was some respect there, there's a legacy to it, and to just say and look even at her and say, like, who are, like, say something. Like, who are you? And why are you here? Right. How did you find me? And why are you bringing me (laughs) this? That's a very valid point. (laughs) Who is this lady? <laughs> yeah. Like, Where did you get this? Like, and he says, I, 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 you know, I hid myself on the most unfindable place in the world or in the galaxy, and you seemingly show up with my father, my former lightsaber. Yeah. Like, that's that's the hardest part of the part I struggle with the most is, like, there's so much there. There's so much weight or could have been so much weight to the scene, and it's kind of literally thrown away yeah. the same way the lightsaber is. Yeah. That really bothers me. That's That's probably the scene in here. That if you if I had to say that I do not like and I probably never will like is that that's how that's treated because like you said Sanjay we've been waiting for two years for this mm-hmm. to get resolution on what is his first words and through the whole trailer we're getting this idea that he's talking about the Jedi has to end and you 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 know where we're going into mm-hmm. a Luke Skywalker that's that's broken down that's busted that is no longer relying on the Force really yeah. or has any connection to anything you know he's seen his Jedi school his his kind of heritage be burnt down to the ground and with that goes his spirit but at the same time you're handed this lightsaber yeah there needs to be a better reaction there so i don't really like that especially when he still has somewhat respect at least for the books at least until the point where he burns them down so he still holds those yeah but he gets this lightsaber and 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 he calls it a um i think he calls it a a A laser sword a a laser laser sword sword. yeah what like, <laughs> Ryan Johnson has a problem in this movie where he tries to he, he makes it feel like it's it's a parody of of this world. Like when, for instance, when you hear like I think Finn or Poe being like blow down that big ass door, like that's just I know it sounds kind of funny that I'm nitpicking this, but it sounds weird in a Star Wars world. 
to hear someone say big ass door or like yeah. to hear someone say like um, a laser sword. It's like, come on, man. It's a lightsaber. Like you know that <laughs> you used it the whole time that like, you introduced yeah. the lightsaber to all of us here. That kind of stuff just really bothered me. And um, yeah, man, you know, you see Luke's face at the end of Force Awakens and there's so much there that everybody froze in their brain forever. And you, you finally get the chance to deliver off of what JJ handed to you. And, and that's what he does. He, he throws it away. And, and, I, and like I said, and I still feel this way, I feel like that's Ryan Johnson's mentality throughout this whole film. He's just throwing things away. He's, he's doing it his way. And that's great because he's the director. But man, he uh, he took some risky steps and uh, they don't they don't gel that well throughout the film for the most part. This was a big mess. Yeah. yeah. Like the thing I could compare this to would be like if Captain America in the Avengers, once he gets unfrozen and they hand him a shield and he just tosses it over his shoulder. Like that to me is like the same kind of like if he would have done that. Whereas Casimir gets the shield, you know, and he's like, this is my shield. Yeah. Like, this is my weapon of choice. And he treats it with respect. And, you know, I've, you know, I have like this respect for the lightsaber because you said it's Anakin's and it became Luke's. And then and you just... look at it even in The Force Awakens when it's handed to Rey. As soon as she touches it. Yeah. Like, boom, 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 boom. You get this force back. Yeah. We get, we hear Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. We hear both uh, Alec Guinness and uh, Ewan McGregor. Yeah. And, like, and Yoda. And Yoda. Is, yeah. There's a lot that goes th- th- from from Mustafar to that scene you just mentioned. Like, there's so much history with this lightsaber. Yeah. So, do the porgs get it because they're playing with it? <laughs> <laughs> force back. No, yeah, almost, you could utilize the scene like a force back as well. Yeah. And having him, as soon as he touches it, oh, you, yeah. you get like this force about like, and it's almost it could be a convenient way of telling a bit of a story within that, like what's what's gone on with this lightsaber and kind of address some of those issues about how. May's got it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It could have been a really effective way to kind of catch people up on a bit of the history of Luke Skywalker, where this lights, or at least the lightsaber in itself. Right. And Luke's kind of getting all this, and he kind of, he, you take that in, you see this really cool flashback, and then you step forward and he says, who are you? Yeah. And maybe he hands it back to oh, him. Or something like that, see, right? would have loved yeah. that. Would have loved that. That's yeah. such a good idea. Yeah. And have like a little like throwaway clip, like where it's like a, you know, it was, as you said, yeah, like the uh, force back. Yeah, well, like in like even the Allegheny line, like you're taking the, your first, first steps, steps, right? And it's something like that, or a connection. Like we see Yoda show up later on in this film. I was really waiting for Obi Wan. I know for an Ewan McGregor or what's his name that does the that did the voice acting in oh, the Rebels. Oh, I know what you're um, Off the top of my head, it's bothering is it me. Sam something. Yeah, like, Sam man. Smith. Sam Witter. No. No, that was he did Darth Maul. Yeah. Uh, what's that? Anyways, yeah. like they, they could have done something that where you had even a connection back to Obi Wan, and you have a because you you were bringing that back, right? That idea of Force Ghost. I we're gonna yeah. see Luke as a Force Ghost. Yes. In Episode Nine, for sure. Now more than ever, especially yeah. after Carrie. You Fisher. think so? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. After Carrie oh, yeah. Fisher. Is he hundred percent? signed on or i'm sure he's, he's signed on for all three yeah I, I guarantee we're gonna see him before anyways but now that carrie fisher is passed unfortunately i'm pretty sure we're gonna see more forced ghost uh luke i would yeah. say you need a little bit more of him in there oh and i think case. that you have to do it that way yeah. like he, he'd give himself to the force the same way obi-wan did in a new hope and exactly. obi-wan showed up in empire and return of the jedi right yeah. so i think you're gonna get basically ray being trained in the same way or at least led in the same way that obi-wan kind of directed luke in empire like you must go to dagobah yeah there's a jedi master there named ahsoka yeah (laughs) how sick would that be no but you're gonna get see him driving a bit of that because now she's essentially the the last jedi well we got we got broom boy yeah we got broom boy but but if if she's the last jedi who's she like she has the book sure but you know she's bound to make the same mistakes luke did right exactly 
And she's already shown a willingness to step a little bit further into the dark side. Right. And which is a really cool idea. But uh, I guess we'll get there. Because I was lost. I was like, was that her or was that Snoke then? Because Snoke was controlling both her and Kylo at one point. Because there's yeah. a point in the film, like, whoa, Ray's pretty dark. Like, where did that come from? Yeah. And you find out that um, that Snoke was, was controlling them the whole time. So yeah. I didn't know if that was But you get Snoke a little bit or... of that with, with her and Luke when he's, you know, he puts her on the rock and says, now reach out. And she's talking about the the balance, right? She goes through the right. same so sequence. Snoke's not controlling her at that point. I don't right? think so. Oh, okay. I don't think that he ever is controlling her. I think he's providing a conduit for them to talk through oh, the force. Oh, okay. Because Kylo makes a reference at one point, why is the force wanting us to connect? Right. And it's Snoke providing that conduit and they're just communicating through it. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes That would be sense. my impression yeah. of it. Okay. Or that's how I took it. Here. Yeah. Um, but one of the big things with, with Luke Skywalker that, that a lot of the issues are having is that we're going from the legend, the hero of the rebellion, someone that we've been waiting to see in this form for two years, for 40 years, for yeah. however long, right? And he's really reduced to the shell of a human and not really the portrayal that we're looking for. And I like, in part, the direction they go with Luke here. Maybe not this whole sequence about, <laughs> we're laughing about this podcast, <laughs> about kind of going through his, his daily routine and how he's what kind of What was up with that? Okay, like, that is just the most messed up scene I've ever seen. Like, so what What the heck was that it's, thing? It's blue milk, right? It's like a, green, but it was I, a reference to it. Was it was like a four-teat animal like it was like a half camel kind his of? face was priceless i'm telling you man i, had, I didn't laugh <laughs> at all in this film until i saw that scene and i was dying because the look that he gives the audience gives ray yeah. you know yeah. it's, it's like a bitter beer face because he's drinking milk and it's, it's but it's so almost good. like it's i can't like, believe i'm drinking this right now yeah like un, uh, what un, unfermented or un, what had the pasteurized is right we're not fermented uh, unpasteurized milk from the sea creature. Yeah, that also looks like Ray after. It kind of yeah. gives yeah. Ray the Mark Hamill face. He's like, like, you, you want, want some? Yeah. <laughs> they should have just been like right straight from the teat. Like he didn't even need the bottle. He should have just like started sucking on the teat oh, and man. then just looked at Ray. Because like there's other ways to show you're a badass than <sighs> just drinking green milk straight from straight the teat. Straight up just raw. I thought that yeah, that's uh, If I was, you know, I don't know a lot of Star Wars as much as you two, but if I was... A director of the film i don't think i would have included that scene it's just a weird scene like, like no yeah. one told the director while like they're in post like hey like the scene where luke's drinking that weird green milk like maybe just cut it off like he spears the fish yeah cool he jumps he does all this cool shit like that's his daily routine but the milk stuff it's kind of like yeah. mad max like fury road oh, with, with like the, the mother's milk and oh, stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's cool though i guess uh the legends of luke um i think there was a reference about that spear so when he goes around, he learns to sp on some planet how to you know catch fish with that massive oh, cool. spear. So that's he's, he's that's Green Arrow, cool. but it's a legend, so we don't know. I guess this would make it canon because yeah, that so book has some canon and some legends. Yeah, that Canto Bite. No, the Legends of Luke Skywalker. Yeah, right. And then there's also this Canto Bite book that mm -hmm. I haven't read yet, but it's no, no, it's the Legends of Luke Skywalker. Because aren't they aren't the kids on the way to Canto Bite or something? I don't know. These are just bits and pieces I read of the book, yeah. so I haven't, I haven't. Okay, I have to go back. You know, Anyways, it doesn't really matter at this point. So sorry, Canto Bite. That's the Vegas. That's the Casino City. Yeah. Yeah. When they had that scene, when they're like going around, did you for a second think they were going to be pod racing? <laughs> Would be a cool reference. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Are, are we going there right now? Are we? Are we I don't even know. Let's, let's finish the discussion. Because right, right. yeah. there's a lot of big elements here. So would I, you try that green milk? Never. <laughs> now, if there's like a thing at the Disneyland where you can go up and like 
milk the secret. <laughs> and they'll frame your face, like, yeah. give us a Mark Hamill face. <laughs> I want that in the still book. <laughs> that should be the cover of the still book. It's I'm going to like get the green beer. Yeah. <laughs> Got milk? Yeah. <laughs> They're going to bring it back, that whole ad campaign. It was like the green mustaches yeah. now. Make it into a coaster. Yeah. St. Patty's Day. St. <laughs> Patty's well, Day, we should go, all have bro. green milk. That's happening. Next podcast, I'm like, green milk for you boys. <laughs> Some of the big things that we get here from Luke. He he's very reluctant or refuses at all to train Ray. He does he's disconnected from the force. And Ray calls him out for that directly. You are no longer communing with the force. You're not one with it anymore. You are Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. Like what's going on? The resistance needs you. And he outright refuses, even with Chewie coming and revealing to him that Han Solo has died. Yeah. Which is something that I thought was going to be used as one of the pivot points. Yeah. Yeah. For Luke Skywalker. I had always expected him to become this hermit, someone that is disconnected, almost taking the bearish vow that we're seeing from the Darth Vader comic mm-hmm. books and says, I'm, I'm no longer able to fight because I've taken this vow. I've, I've, re- I've removed myself. And this is something that Mark had pushed over at TSW quite a bit. That he had removed himself from the battle because of his failures. Mm-hmm. He's put himself into self-exile because of that, because he allowed Ben to fall to the dark side. And that eventually led to the dismantling of his school and the death of all these children. Because that was the first thing, or one thing I didn't notice on the first viewing, is when you look at when he's standing there with R2, there's all these kids in the that are dead yeah. in the front. I didn't get that the first but, time. But he also did take some of them with him, which we assume would be the Knights of Ren. Yes. He, they mentioned that he took a couple... Yeah, kids, which, there's mm-hmm. him and his disciples. They never really no address mention. the Where are they? Yeah. No mention. Yeah. What's going on? So yeah. there's, there's a lot of things that they, they do leave dangling, which I think Abrams is going to pick up. And I think the the Knights of Ren coming back, if they're not the Praktorian guards that right. they, they dismantled, which they didn't really seem like they were, yeah. the Knights of Ren coming back in nine could be a big thing with you know, with Kylo Ren taking up the mantle of Supreme Leader, yeah. he needs his boys around him, right? right? So it's going to be really cool to see the, him pulling back on these characters, which, you know, whether they're, they're the acolytes or some sort of um, apprentices or what are they? Frig- Inquisitors. Inquisitors, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I get all these things. <laughs> in so- but like, I see them kind of more in that light. Yeah. And that him taking on that role that we're seeing Vader take on in the Vader comics yes. right now with the Inquisitors themselves, right? And yeah. just using them as his own proxy, his own kind of militia to do his work, his bidding for him. Yes. I think that'd be really cool in episode nine. I'm kind of glad. That. I would have liked to maybe a nod to them, but I yeah. think this movie is full enough that we didn't need kind of the Knights of Ren coming in unless they were going to come in place of the Praktorian Guards or they were actually the Praktorian Guards themselves. That's right, yeah. I, yeah. Again, kind of like the Han Solo treatment. Like, I didn't need a, a full scene of them, but I want some kind of acknowledgement yeah. of them that they are around and currently around, yeah. right? Because we did get that, that Force vision, which, where did that take place? Yeah. That whole scene. The which? From... The vision with Kylo Ren and the, oh, Knights, of, uh, the Knights of Ren. Yeah, and like, it's raining and they're all and standing there. And it's raining, there. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not in the future because you wouldn't be using that helmet. Well, then yeah. Snoke in, in yeah, and Snoke in the Force Awakens says, you know, you're the leader of the Knights of Ren. Exactly, right? he makes a direct reference to it. Exactly, yeah. So it's kind of cool. Um, continuing on with Luke, I don't know if you guys heard any interviews or you stayed away from Mark Hamill. I know where you're um, going. When he first read the script, did you did you hear oh, this? Yeah. yeah, he was like, I don't really necessarily agree. I think with the, yeah. the, yeah. the direction the direction they're going with the character and and uh, and I. Could, I could feel that. I don't know if it's because I read that too, but I could I could see where Mark Hamill's coming from. 
Yeah. Right. Because like I said, the first viewing, I didn't really like at all where they went with Luke. I grew to like it more now, mm-hmm. but I still think they could have gone a different route, like what you mentioned with the character in um, the Vader comic. Yeah. Who's kind of been exiled off, right? Because Yoda made a little bit more sense because at least you knew eventually Yoda was going to train one of the twins. Yeah. Right. He didn't really give up, even though he knew his failures as well. Mm-hmm. He handled it differently than he kind of just went a little crazy. He went a little crazy, yeah. Which, yeah, kind of like even like Obi Wan as well. Yeah. But Luke is a little different. He just disconnected himself and kind of gave up. And I'm like, well, man, like you, like you, Ray mentions that you, you know, you defeated Sidious, you brought light to Vader, you did all these things. You know, failing Kylo Ren is kind of like something underneath all those things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of below all that. It's kind of like an easy fix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but some of it though is his failure isn't necessarily because like in the sense with Vader, with Anakin and Obi-Wan, yeah. he was pushed there by an external factor by Palpatine. And you get a bit of that with Snoke and Kylo Ren right. or Ben Solo at the time. But the driving factor, the driving force behind Ben's real swing mm-hmm. is that momentary lapse of judgment by Luke Skywalker. Right. This is another big issue that people have is him wanting to stand up and, strike down yeah. Kylo Ren in a moment of weakness. Yeah. And some of that I get because I would say that that Luke Skywalker in and he talks about the hubris, right? The overconfidence of the Jedi. And maybe you get a I bit of that. that. You maybe mm-hmm. a little bit in Luke Skywalker in that he and he mentions it. I was the legendary Luke Skywalker. I was the one that took down the first he doesn't say this directly, but took down the first Death Star. You know, Ray mentions those things about Vader and yeah, all that. Insidious, all that. Insidious. But maybe it was it was his own hubris. He kind of projected that onto the Jedi. Their overconfidence led to their ultimate demise. Yeah. Maybe that's reflected a bit in Luke Skywalker as well. Is that his ultimate overconfidence in the fact that he was the legendary Luke Skywalker, the hero of the rebellion. He was the one meant to take the Jedi into a new generation. Maybe that is what led him to to failing is that he saw the dark side rising and really didn't know how to deal with it any other way. Right. And he had this momentary lapse in judgment. He, I like he's a nice reference to it's, it's a kind of like a fleeting shadow in and out. And right. it was that moment that changed Kylo Ren that forced him into or over to the dark side, I think. Yeah. Because, because he mentions it, right? I think he says the Jedi at their peak is when the dark side rose. Right. Yeah. And then that's kind of like mirrors Luke. Luke yeah. at his peak is when he, he basically failed. Kylo Ren, but it's weird because I'm pretty sure, I think it's either, I always get this mixed up with his bloodlines or, or your book, Aftermath. I thought they mentioned that Snoke has kind of been shadowing Ben for quite some time. I don't he's know. always I, kind of been like a little bit of a presence. Or yeah. Right? I don't oh, remember okay. that in either of those books, yeah. but that there was, I think there was like this internal struggle within Leia. Or Leia could feel it or something, Yeah, right? there's, there's a bit of light side and a bit of dark side, this tendency towards one or the other. Right. And that was the same way with Anakin, right? He always had a tendency towards one way or the other. Yeah. And it's just how he got pushed into that. Yeah. Sidious led him into the dark side. Mm-hmm. And I think Kylo Ren was pushed into the dark side. Well, yeah, because 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 uh, Anakin, you can always see the struggle of like he questioned the way the world was run, right? Yeah. And he always kind of felt for the little people, right? And he always mm-hmm. wanted to save life. You know, he failed his mom, so he wanted to like save Padme, right? So it's basically you know restoring life is the biggest thing. I think is the Plagueis story that yeah, um, yeah Sidious mentions. But whereas Kylo Ren, like you mentioned, so you think Kylo Ren's you know struggle or or his step into the dark side is is the failure. Of, of Luke? I like, and that's, that's like, Ray calls that out in the yeah. film, right? She says, you know, you didn't fail Ben, Ben failed you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm fully on board with that. Right. Because I think it's that momentary lapse in judgment that actually pushes Kylo 
to the dark side, right? right. That's what it leads to the, the downfall of the, the new Jedi Order, is right. that one moment. Would that maybe have eventually happened anyways? Right. That's quite possible. Mm-hmm. But it was de- definitely amplified and pushed forward by that, that judgment call by Luke Skywalker. Right. I like the story too because it's told two different ways it's and then three you, even. it's three and then yeah. you finally yeah. get the actual answer which is mm-hmm. a kind of a combination of oh, both. Oh, both. Yeah. You, you see Kylo tell the story and you're like that's not true at all. Yeah. And you see Luke tell the story and there's no lightsabers really, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's actually Kylo that pulls the lightsaber first yeah, and then Luke res- down. Yeah, and then Luke yeah. responds yeah. and then he gets pulled down. Yeah. And then it's somewhere in between there, right? And this goes back to this theme of balance. You yeah. see two extremes, more of a dark side take, a light side take, but it's actually the balance the middle that actually happened where it's that lapse in judgment of luke skywalker but it's also the tendency that kylo had and had been like i'm gonna say he was pulled by snoke it uh, appears he had a tendency mm-hmm. towards the dark side but he was pushed obi-wan never pushed i don't think right anakin to the dark side his main mentor right but luke seemingly has done that and i think that's why he's put himself into this exile less so than yoda he was defeated by mm-hmm. sidious and he put himself into self-exile because he felt that was the only way that the, the, the order could survive could progress right where luke did this because I think he feels responsible for the rise of the dark side and ultimately the first order. See, and that's the interesting thing because with Ryan Johnson, again, going back to him, you know, the storytelling that he did overall, especially what you just mentioned, how he captured it, it's it's great, but it's also at the sacrifice of the character of Luke because when it's all said and done, it's just not something that Luke would have done. But the overall story is great, but it, it seems out of character for Luke to even for a moment think to strike down his nephew. Is that a headcanon thing though? Is that a something that we've built luke up to this level because i questioned it at first too like is this something that luke skywalker would have done why isn't it he he, he gave he, in to that that hate and that anger he, at the end of revenge of the, he threw away the, or Return of the right? yeah. he, he had a chance to do it and he, he's like i won't do it and he threw away his lightsaber and that's against the most evil person in the galaxy <laughs> yeah. uh darth sidious right yeah. and, then, and then here he is he has some kind of glimmer and he's like Picks up the lightsaber. You're done. Yeah. Like, wait, wait, wait. We're gonna do this. Well, no wonder why he went to the dark side. Like, if my teacher tried to kill me. I mean, you know what? The, screw the Jedi. I'm going to the dark side. You know, like, I, I don't blame Kylo Ren. Well, yeah, in that case, but but overall, exactly what you said. Like, I, I I feel like the story what he presented here was was really cool. I just I feel like we lost a bit of Luke because of that. Yeah. So yeah. the the story you got the sacrifice of Luke yes. to progress the overall narrative exactly. and the overall story. Yeah. And I think, to me, is that, a, is that a worthy sacrifice? I don't know. Right. Because Kylo Ren and Rey are fantastic in this. Ren in particular, his yes. struggle and Adam Driver's acting is awesome in it's this. great. And some of that requires Luke to make that sacrifice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And could you have gotten the same character development out of Kylo Ren in the absence of the Luke story? probably not yeah. you may have been able to approach it slightly differently but at the same time i'm i don't love the idea that luke had that lapse in judgment yeah but i kind of like it from the perspective of that luke is you know we always see him as this, this huge this, this hero right yeah but he's somewhat of a flawed hero at the same time for sure for sure but then i feel like we also lose something here with with kylo uh, again going back to the force awakens i know we're spending some time on this but i guess it's important um, <laughs> but when you go back to force awakens kylo ren is a Vader fanboy, basically, right? He's yeah. doing all this, and you just think, okay, yeah. he's just following his father's or his grandfather's footsteps. And and then in, in Bloodline, the big reveal was nobody knew that Leia's dad, real biological father, was Darth Vader. Yeah. And I think she was worried that the fact Kylo Ren would find this out. So yeah. I always figured that it was that reveal 
which really uh, turned him to the dark side is that makes knowing sense. that hey my dad or my sorry my grandfather was the dark lord vader so i always thought that's what it was i didn't really necessarily know is this other subplot story between uh, luke you know whipping out his his, his laser sword that right. i think yeah but i think there was always a tendency there right yeah that maybe it was that was what's maybe started it right and then he was slowly you know pulled there by snoke and then pushed to the other side right so a mix of, of things or, yeah i yeah. think it's kind of a combination yeah because the one thing that differs between anakin and kylo mm-hmm. is that when you look at revenge of the sith you can see that natural progression to the dark side by Anakin. Yes. Like, I think the portrayal is really good there. Kylo is always struggling, and that's what I like about this character. And yeah. I, I don't want to see a redemptive arc. Right. But even when he he takes out Snoke, and he kind of deems himself the supreme leader, yeah. and you see him firing on Luke there, he still doesn't seem like the supreme leader, right? He yeah. seems like a child still. Exactly. Trying to yeah. get back at his parents. Yes. Yeah. That's what, that bothers me, because... You know, when you have you, you now, essentially, you have to put Kylo Ren in the same level or leadership as Palpatine, as Snoke, or and he's not even a Tarkin level. No. You know, at the end of the film, he's still pretty whiny. At the end of the film, you know, he has the option to confront Luke right away, and the first thing he does is, "I want every laser on that guy." And I'm like, yeah. "What? Like, yeah, no way! Like no other Sith. I know he's not a Sith, but no other, you know, Jedi or Sith would would miss the opportunity to fight their opponent hand to hand or or lightsaber to lightsaber." It, it just that that was weird for me and that point right there i was like ah and, and adam driver's doing an incredible job portraying uh kylo ren but i just felt like that isn't the leader that we should have for the first order yeah like uh adam driver terrific mm-hmm. actor and he's portraying kylo ren terrifically but going into episode nine he doesn't give you that sense of dread that darth or vader but or no, 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 the next one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so going into episode nine, he doesn't give you that sense of dread that Darth Vader is this like impossible badass bad guy that you just can't defeat. Kylo Ren's been defeated several times already. Yeah. Like we've seen Ray, they mentioned it in the film. Snoke says she beat you and she never even picked up a lightsaber before. Finn got a hit on him. Finn, yeah. Right? And it's like Darth Vader was insane. Like yes. his power levels and just he he looks he's the best looking bad guy i think we've ever gotten in cinema darth vader that look is just perfected yeah and kylo ren he has a pretty good look too but he doesn't like as soon as he took off the mask it kind of like some of that mystique went away i think they should have kept that mask on and he even gets rid of the mask in this movie he was called it by snow yeah it's called it by snow aka ryan johnson take that ridiculous thing off but it's so badass and his voice (laughs) yeah his voice was so cool like I love like the weird voices. Like Darth Vader had a great voice. Yeah. Bane has a great voice. Kylo Ren had a great voice. Yeah. Not no more. He I took know. off that mask and that voice is gone. And it was so intimidating that voice when like like this music kind of went away and you got this like this voice that was just like I don't want to fuck with this guy. Now I'd fuck with him. Like what's he gonna do? <laughs> like I, Kylo Ren doesn't scare me. I like the mask, but I'd much prefer at least for this character. I like it off because it allows Adam Driver to explore that that emotion and a bit more mm-hmm. depth. Totally, like it's it's hard with Vader. You know, you you get that that sense throughout that he's kind of struggling a little bit yes. with some of the decisions, and you get that a lot in the comic books, right? Because they have the ability, that artistic liberty, mm-hmm. to to kind of give you some of that emotion. Yeah. But Kylo Ren, I, you didn't get the same emotion behind the mask that you do with. Adam Driver's facial expressions, the way he's reacting to things, overreacting to things. You see that in The Force Awakens as well. Is that right. It's a very unstable and it's still a young character. Yeah. 
and that's one thing that I like about it. It's it's we're going into a different direction, and maybe that's where the death of Snoke, like I, it was very abrupt and very crazy that that happened. <laughs> but that's you almost needed that character to keep check with Kylo Ren yeah. because if you're gonna have him leading now, it's very hard, right? Because you've got Hux and Kylo Ren as the leader of the first order that's yeah. a kind of a shaky leadership right definitely you don't have that foundation of a leia of someone bigger yeah. right of an akbar or, yeah or like you said a tarkin right well this... it'd be essentially like having a tarkin and a krennic yeah ruling the empire you'd have those two you know going back but to those catalyst are, those are more believable and those are more believable exactly but yeah. you'd have those two constantly trying to battle each other right but yeah those two would definitely be more accountable yeah you yeah. know to do it so uh going back to snoke and the death of snoke that this movie is probably one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Like if the, like this looks like a comic book brought to life. Like some of the images and the angles and the lighting and the oh, use of color. Beautiful. The cinematography. Oh, yeah. yeah, this cinematography should win best in the Oscars. And if it doesn't, then that's oh, crazy. Blade Runner. Oh, man. <laughs> coming out in two weeks. Coming out in two weeks and we can have a big Blade Runner discussion. Nice. <laughs> uh, but that's that throne room of Snoke with the red and then you had those like guards in the background. Oh, that no, po- the poses that they came yeah. out too. Oh, wow, yes. huh. blew me away. Like I can see uh, Ryan Johnson probably pitched like those pictures and like storyboards, and I could see how they would have been like lured to the dark side to turn a phrase uh, to go with him because this is like one of the most. This is the most beautiful Star Wars film I've yeah. ever seen. This could maybe even be the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. Like I'm a big visual guy. It's the reason why I like Zack Snyder and this guy, like he channeled his inner Zack Snyder. Cause like, it looks, yeah, yeah. it looks beautiful. Yeah. No one, even if you didn't like the movie, no one can argue that this film didn't look beautiful. It, it, it looks great. I still, in some ways would give it to Ryan Johnson a little bit. Uh, and like you mentioned, when we talked about the rogue one, the, the scale you mean of Gareth things. Edwards. Well, Rogue One, but Gareth Edwards. What yeah. did I say? Did I say Ryan Johnson? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, going back to Gareth Edwards, uh, but Rogue One. Yeah. The scale of things were, were was just incredible in that uh, that film and, and the planets. I, I still would give it a little bit to, to Rogue One, but I, I do like... I don't know which one I like between the two, but but I see what you guys are saying. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's beautifully shot. Film. Yeah, definitely. So going back to some of the concepts here before we we haven't even talked about Ray and we're already yeah. an hour and fifteen oh minutes God. in, but we will get to her in a second here. Some of the concepts here that we got to talk about a little bit more detail is the idea of the force. Now that's explored, broken down, like I said, literally burned down to a degree. The idea of it, the idea of the Jedi themselves, and one of the things that struck me, and we talked about this before we recorded a little bit about the idea that. It's called a religion, and we see some of that in Rogue One, the the, the Chariot and Base. Yeah, Chariot yeah. and Base, the Church of the Wills. Wills, yeah. And you you had mentioned that in the I think the Death Star scene, yeah, in, Episode Four, and A New Hope. Yeah, yeah, they talk about it being uh, no one subscribes to this religion anymore, yeah. and Hanzalo calls it a hokey religion. Yeah. And to me, I always took that as the perspective of people that weren't in tune with the Force, that were you know you look at the militaristic look at the military power of of Krennic and Tarkin and that they, they took things from a very scientific perspective you look at Han who didn't really believe in anything until he kind of reveals that yeah it's all true in The yeah. Force Awakens so when I'm looking at that it's people from the outside seeing this as this crazy hokey religion but to have Luke call it right out a religion that kind of threw me off a bit I always saw it not so much as a religion because I, I see religion as something that's very prescribed in nature. And maybe that's what Luke's getting at, is that it was indeed more of a religion because it had these very black and white, these these hard boundaries, no emotions, no attachments. And 
that maybe is more the prescriptive nature of a religion. And that's why he referred to it as that, because he makes direct reference that that was ultimately their downfall. It's a legacy of failure. Right. And I thought that that whole sequence there was really, really well done with the explanation of the Force and why the Jedi had to end and why he no longer wanted to push forward with developing a new Jedi Order. It was because they're inherently flawed Mm -hmm. in their ideas, in the idea that it's so black and white, so binary. And Ryan Johnson does a really great job, I think. You're breaking it all down and saying, yeah, we're kind of in the middle with a lot of this. You see Rey and Kylo adopting both sides like Rey when she's fighting in snoke's throne room there's a lot of aggression there Mm -hmm. a lot of yelling there's not it's not really a defensive art that you're seeing with her fighting it's a really aggressive art and pushing the limits like she's pushing the limits of kylo ren here yeah and some of the stuff that they do in there incredible but what did you think of this development of the force and how it ultimately affects ray's perception of it well, yeah, I think I think it makes sense. You going back to the religion spark, um, um, comment. Um, what's his name? I think Max Valentino's character from Force Awakens. I forgot his name. Yeah. Um, um, shoot, I forgot oh, his name. But he's with uh, Poe in the comics yeah. too. Man, we're terrible with names. Yeah, I know. Right? You guys call yourself Star Wars fans? Lawrence and Tekka. Lawrence and Tekka. Well, I believe him and Luke um, went on some adventures. Like yeah. I thought they did. So he seems someone that's very, you know, with the Church of the Force. So it, it kind of makes sense that him and Luke would adopt that name or, mm-hmm. or use that a little bit more so but um all in all yeah i really do like what ryan johnson did with the whole force um you know, shifting it shifting it a little bit i i thought that was pretty cool and you know and, and it shows the times too because when you go back to the star wars way back you know i i didn't come from that era but things were very black and white you know there's good there's bad you know so when we saw the imperials when we saw darth vader there was just bad there was no other story behind it they were just bad the force was good if you're a jedi and it's bad if you're a sith but now if you look at the times, we need more development with the bad guys, right? We need to know that maybe the bad guys aren't really bad. They just see things differently than how we see them. And that kind of makes sense for the for the times now that the force isn't necessarily used in that way what we used to see it back yeah. then. So I kind of like what they did now, how it's developed that way. Wasn't the force, I don't know um, if this is true or not, but it was some sort of like thing you're born with like Michelorians Michelorians or something yeah, yeah. like wasn't... really veered away from that <laughs> they went away from that yeah. so it was oh, more yeah. it was more like the Michelorian count was they're trying to science it up can yeah. I give it to some biology that yeah. you had a higher Michelorian count you had more of an ability to control the force and, and, and uh, Anakin because the rumor was that he's made up of yeah. Michelorians uh, Michelorians Michelorians because yeah. supposedly uh, Plagueis created him yeah with with all that, but as Anakin lost more of his limbs, then uh, he lost more of the counts. But Troy, your comment there about the times and how it's how it's changing. We're not as black and white as we were before, and mm-hmm. it's very true because Luke also makes a comment in here that I really liked about the Force not belonging to the Jedi. It yeah. belongs to everything. Yes, it's all encompassing. They don't have the exclusive rights or the monopoly to it to, to control and say how it or how it shouldn't be used. And sometimes it comes down to perspective. Yes, there's inherently bad people in the Star Wars universe. You take Tarkin mm-hmm. or Krennic. These people, Palpatine, these people had very bad intentions. But then you also look from the perspective of some of these other characters. You take um, Count Dooku, maybe, mm-hmm. even Anakin to yeah. a degree. Oh, yeah. He had a different perspective on things. And sometimes that's a hard thing to shift around and focus is that, yeah, Darth Vader is a bad person, was a bad character for everything he did, particularly when he slayed all those children. But you look at it from a perspective issue, and sometimes that's what 
where there's the difference is that from the perspective of one person, they think they're doing the right thing. Yeah. And the other perspective is also they think they're doing the right thing. And that's often what leads to conflict. Right. And you need that in characters. You need both sides to think that they're right to have a valid conflict. Yes. Otherwise, you have no reason for people to be pursuing some end goal yeah. if and, they don't think they're right. And that's what always leads ultimately to the best villains. The ones that you can believe what they're doing is actually yeah. good. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where Kylo Ren, that's why I love the character development in this, is that he's struggling with the idea of what he's doing is right. He thinks it's right, or he thinks that's the way he should be doing things. But then you see these glimmers of light where when he takes out Snoke, maybe in particular fights alongside Rey, yeah. really wants to pull her in to the idea of what he is doing, the way he wants to rule and control the force is the right way. The interesting thing is he never calls himself or never refers to himself as a Sith. Yeah, But Rey still... refers to herself or wants to be a Jedi refers right. to Luke as a Jedi. We never get a master apprentice feel in the Sith sense, this rule of two. Yeah. And we're going to see how that maybe develops into episode nine yeah. within Kylo Ren and Snoke. Like you never get that feeling that it's a master and apprentice in the same way that Palpatine was the Sith master to an apprentice of Darth Vader. That's right. Yeah. Cause we still haven't officially had Sith yet. Even still going with Snoke cause he never, you know, claimed to be a Sith himself and, and an ultimate Sith. Obviously they have, the yellow eyes and whatnot and we've never seen those eyes occur with um snoke or uh, kylo right no yeah were you guys disappointed in snoke's death and the fact that he didn't really we'd never find out who he is or if he's like any real any relation to anyone um yeah yeah i was disappointed by that because again there's kind of a build-up of that character and going back to what we just mentioned about good villains and whatnot and yeah. then you kill off this villain just like that then kind of made him pointless you know who was this character the whole time that had all this power. I mean, this guy used the force from how many ships away on Hux. He's he's clearly a powerful character. He, yeah. you know, telegraphed pretty much everything what he's gonna do and he got taken out by Kylo Ren without sensing the whole time the lightsaber was turning. That was that is, so good. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was awesome. It was an awesome death. It kinda of feels like something you should have saw in episode nine, as opposed to episode yeah. eight. Which is a little weird. But um I just feel like we kind of need to know where this character's been the whole time, uh, somewhat. I think this, this is screaming for like a comic book or a novelization or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But the way I look at it and the, the perspective, I got, I, it was, I was I was shocked when I saw oh, it. Oh, yeah. But I thought it was a great way for, for Kylo, for Adam Driver's character, Ben Zolo, to progress. Definitely. And the thing I liked about it and kind of how I liken it is to the Emperor. You know, we didn't really get a lot of him. Nothing in A New Hope. We get a hint of him in Empire. And yeah. we get the big reveal in Return of the Jedi. And we spend a bit of time with him. And then he's chucked into a hole by Darth Vader. And we never really know where this character is or has come from. Why is he the most powerful Sith in the galaxy? Why right. is he the ruler of Darth Vader? And then he's dead. It's not until we go back to the prequels right. that we actually get the backstory. So my hope is that eventually with Snoke, we get a backstory to him whether it's in other films or other media but i wasn't as off put by the idea that we didn't get that same snoke reveal we were expecting yeah it will come it will factor into stories later on mm -hmm. and i think for the character progression of kylo ren that needed to happen and the way that it did happen was brilliant i kind of took this as you know like why didn't snoke see the lightsaber because in kylo's head he was reading kylo's mind and Kylo had that lightsaber in his hand, looking like he was going to strike down Rey. Right. And he's saying he's going to take out his true enemy. Well, his true enemy wasn't Rey. Right. His true enemy was Snoke. Right. He read the mind of Kylo Ren, thinking that, and kind of projecting that, he was thinking about Rey, but he was actually thinking about Snoke. Right. He kind of was blinded to that aspect of it. And when he dies, 
awesome. <laughs> that <laughs> was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty crazy. I was I was floored. I yeah. was to be honest with you, you mentioned his power set. Yeah, unbelievable. Like yeah. one of the most powerful force users we've ever seen. Right. He's he's done amazing things. Yeah. I thought he was just gonna come right back together. I honestly, honest, honestly thought cool. that, that his body was just going to slam I back together so. and he's going to stand up and just swipe them both. I thought so. That would have been cool. I thought so. I would have preferred that. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Keep him for episode nine, as you said. Like, get rid of him. This it, seems like something that should have been saved until the finale. Cause... Well, the hardest part about episode nine is going to be what we had already talked about, mm-hmm. right? How you have Hux and Kylo Ren being the leaders of the First Order. They don't seem like capable leaders. Should mm-hmm. be a buddy comedy. Yeah. Well, we may <laughs> see some other military mind rise yeah or maybe like a thrawn type character right coming to the forefront and, and taking the military end of it where you see kylo ren is he's using the first order more as a kind of a, a personal army to get right. through his demons like the next demon he has to get through is leia well see and that's the thing because i'm just i'm lost in his motivations as as great as adam driver has been this whole thing what motivates him to do exactly what he's doing like what's his end game you know like what is it Rule the galaxy. Because it started off, you said like impressing his grandfather, living up to that lineage, and now that's what I thought. Yeah, that's why I would have thought at one point. And now it's kind of like rule the galaxy, but yeah, yeah, I I could see that. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's almost like it needs a bit of clarity there because you know the struggle. Yes, you know the struggle of of these of Kylo Ren. We can see it, and it's really well portrayed. But it's what is, you're right, what is that end game? What is he after once Luke's dead? Right. Once Leia's dead? Like, what is he after? Is he after for, you know, supremacy, ruling the galaxy mm-hmm. with an iron fist? Or is he is he interested in recreating some sort of order of, of Jedi or something different of Knights of Ren? Right. Um, I, I, I really don't know. Like, you know, Palpatine craved power. Yeah. Uh, Darth Vader was looking for again that power, but yeah, an order, an order yeah. within kind of the galaxy itself, right? Yeah. He saw, if you look back into the politics of the prequel trilogy, mm-hmm. he saw in a very different light from Padme how the galaxy should be run, more yeah. of an autocratic society. Yeah, and Kylo is, yeah, you're right. He's just kind of there. You get Hux's kind of general motivations. He feels very much like a young Nazi. Yeah, to be and, honest and, with and, you, and his mm-hmm. dad was, was... yes. Yeah, one of the uh, leaders. Captain or general. Yeah, he, he was kind of the, one of the guys that trained the initial army coming out of Aftermath right. for the First Order. Right. Like these kids that he would kind of brought up. He was in charge of indoctrinating right. kids that they kind of just stole from parents. So that would make sense to yeah. see where he came from, right? Yeah. yeah, so he's seeing that as he's a very twisted individual. Mm-hmm. Where Kylo, yeah, you're right. His motivations are a bit ill-defined i would say right. i think we will get some definition Hope in episode so. nine yeah. but at the moment it seems to be let's take out all of my family <laughs> and then we'll go from there <laughs> right. and a character that that we haven't even touched on here and i don't think we're going to get to everything here in this this episode we may have to take this for the part one yeah. is is ray yeah and to me this movie coming into it i thought this is going to be ray's big movie to me, she gets a, a lot to do here, but not nearly as much as Kylo and Luke. Yeah. We see this this really cool force power between the two of them, between Kylo Ren and Rey. We see her kind of convince Luke eventually to begin to train her. Some really cool action sequences with her with a lightsaber. But yeah. to me, the big thing in here is her communications with Kylo Ren, the exchange mm-hmm. that they have. Yeah. 
I really, really liked how they're able to do that and not force them together in a way where they're teaming up. They're kind of right. communing to one another, telling each other stories. Kylo Ren seems to have the upper hand to some degree. He seems to be doing more of the manipulating. Yes. Because Ray seems to have this air of innocence to her at the same time. Mm-hmm. As she's talking to Luke, no, you're Luke's Master Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You're supposed to be the, the great hero of the rebellion. And we need you mm-hmm. to to stop the, the First Order in its track. It's an evil that is is, you know, being spread throughout the galaxy. She has this innocence to her still. And I like that portrayal of Rey and that that kind of juxtaposition against Kylo Ren, the more seasoned kind of master manipulator within the Force. Yeah. Do you think uh, her and Kylo Ren are going to hook up? Little, no, I don't uh, know. Especially at the, the way this movie ended, I'd say no. No, no chance? No. I don't, they, don't, no. they don't need to go down the path no. of love interest or anything like that. No. There's a very deep connection between the two. It's almost like two sides of the same coin to yeah. me. It is the balance. You see this again through and through this film, this theme of balance. And when Ray's sitting up there with Luke Skywalker and he's kind of tickling her fingers with the, the grass <laughs> and all that, kind of funny. But she's talking, like she rhymes off numerous things. And her and Kylo are, again, are very much kind of the, the center, the focal point of this balance theme. Yeah. Is that they both want kind of the same thing. But at the end of the day, they're approaching at it from very different angles. And we had talked about, would we see one or the other flip? The speculation that Ray could right. go dark. And Luke really hones in on that at the start saying, you didn't even push the dark away. You just kind of embrace it and let it happen. Right. And so he sees a lot of that in Ben Solo. So he has a quite an abrupt reaction to that. But at the same time, you see her adopting both sides. You see Kylo Ren adopting both sides. And you see where the connection could go much deeper. Yes. And that's why I like both of those characters. And that's why I really like Ray here. She's a lot more innocent. Yeah. And she seems to almost be the audience's perspective on everything. We're coming in being like, no, it's it's Master Luke yes. Skywalker. Right. Like, this is who you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Han Solo died. The Han Solo died. You don't even care. <laughs> yeah, she's speaking for the audience. Yeah, she's yeah. very much yeah. the audience perspective on yeah. all this. And that's why I like the character. And I like how Daisy really does in this. Yeah, no, she's great. I, I still do prefer her more in Force Awakens, but again, I don't feel like this one's her film as much. I feel no. like Force Awakens is more of her film as opposed and, and this to this one. Kylo's film. I'd right? say so. I'd say it's yeah, more Kylo Kylo's Luke. and, and, and Luke's. I still wish Luke got a little bit more in there, but Daisy Ridley's great. I, I really like what she does in this film and from the combat skills and, like you mentioned, her innocence. And she I, she opens another door to her, her acting chops is when we get to see a little bit of that darkness yeah. in her because mm-hmm. we never saw that at all. In the last movie, she's she's very to the books. She's really good. Here we do see a little bit of that darkness, and uh, and I appreciate it. I didn't care much though for the um, like Michael Jackson like mirror, like, yeah, fingers yeah. kind of scene. Th- th- that was kind of a throwaway to me. Is, is I could see they're trying to do the dago by you know Luke looks at Vader and he sees himself in the Vader. Yeah. They're kind of playing around that, um, but I it, it didn't really work for me. Um, yeah, like Daisy Ridley was great. I think she's a terrific actress. This is the only stuff I've seen her in. I don't even know if she's been in anything else, but I uh, think Murder on the Ring Express. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think she's got a long career ahead of her. For I sure. think she's going to do terrific in Hollywood and um, all that. Um, I think Ray. The biggest thing when we talk about Ray that we have to mention is her parents. Oh. And the fact that you know we were speculating who are her parents? Are they anyone? Are they no one? Well, I guess they're no one. Are they? Well, Kylo could be lying, right? Yeah. Could be lying. But but for me, this was probably the biggest letdown 
of the film. I know a lot of people have been saying, well, not just me, but in general, well, no one asks you to speculate. Well, you know, if you go back to Force Awakens, <laughs> Kanata asks Han, so who's the girl? And they yeah. literally cut away from that scene, leaving the whole audience to speculate. So That makes yeah, sense, right? They yeah. did open that door. They opened that window. And it, I do feel like it was, a, it was a missed opportunity here because I think out of anything that the general audience was banking on is we're going to get that the reveal of who's Ray's parents are. Now, it didn't have to be Obi-Wan. It didn't have to be Luke or anything like that. But it should have been something more than throwaway parents that were um, drunks that were drunks and junkers and junkers and like you mentioned you know Kylo Ren very well could be lying and JJ could come in and correct that I, I, I hope on everything that he does do that but I felt like that was just such a waste I felt like almost uh, Ryan Johnson was like I have no idea I have no idea who her parents are so I'm just gonna <laughs> put in these two no names well so. it's kind of like because JJ Abrams also did Lost yeah, and um, there's great setup. Great, there. I like. I haven't seen the series, but a lot of the people who didn't like it said like he set up all these like red herrings and all these, um, you know, stuff that you theorize about mm-hmm. what they were. But then he set it up so much that nothing could live up to the hype. Yeah, because I believe he left the show, so he didn't even get to really finish that. Oh, one, okay. No, and so, like it, it was it's the same scenario, right? You yeah. he set up a lot of the original stuff, yes. and then he was developed by someone else. Yeah. So why didn't they bring him back for the second one? It seems kind of strange that Force Awakens is such a big hit. Most people, I think, uh, much better well-received than this one from fans. It seems that way. Um, why didn't they just say, you know what? You're doing the whole trilogy because, what's his name? James Gunn is doing Guardians. Um, the Russo brothers are doing Captain America yeah, and they, stuff. They, they treat their Marvel properties and, and Lucasfilm properties very differently. So don't they? I, I mean, even like you mentioned, too, with the Star Wars films, apart from the prequels, they always had different directors. Yeah. And it was, and I think it, some of it was the ability to bring in and tell different stories. There seemed to always be a plan to tell a familiar story and then do something drastically different, right? You have to veer away from kind of the status quo at some point. We can't continue to expect them to make Star Wars films that feel like. Not not that the Force Awakens was, but there was a lot of nostalgia built into that. A lot of you know very familiar feeling scenes and storylines, and this one it really veers away from that. So this seems very deliberate to bring in someone like Ryan Johnson to do something different, and that's what they're asking him to do with this new trilogy. And I don't think that's a problem, but at the same time, it's, it comes down to fan expectation yeah. a lot of it there, right? And and how you perceive that change is it change that you want to see you look at we had you know 40 years of storytelling and we've only got eight or nine movies or whatever yeah. we have right and there's a lot of headcanon there yeah. and being with such a rabbit fan base there's going to be expectations that everything's not going to live up to the potential of say whatever people's expectations are yeah. you look at marvel because it's comic book based, they have the ability to do different things. They're not in this really, really tightly confined universe mm-hmm. where Star Wars Lucasfilm is trying to break away from that. And this film seems to be that first step in that direction. Yeah. And I can kind of respect that. I don't know where we started with this <laughs> and why I'm back down this path. But <laughs> Ray, great character. I thought there was a lot to do that. And, you know, overall, I think her interaction with Luke on Act 2 was a great progression for both characters. Yeah. Because she eventually can't convince him to leave Act 2. And we have Luke Skywalker essentially going to the brink, to putting an end, to literally burning down 
the last Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. And we get the Yoda, the Force oh, Ghost here. Thank goodness. I love yeah. that. That was oh, great. Great how it came onto the screen. You so saw the good. ears. Yeah. I think I smacked you at I that think point. I even looked at you and I was like, yeah. yo, that's Yoda. Oh, I thought you were saying I looked at you and said, smack me. <laughs> smack me. <laughs> smack me, Tim. I think I'm dreaming. I see a Yoda. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great shot, right? Because you pan out and you see Luke and then you see the ears, right? Yeah. The, the silhouette almost. Of your, and the classic, you know, Muppet, Jim Henson looking. Yeah. One, right? Not the prequel looking one, but this is that's good. Nailed it, Frank yeah. Oz. He was yeah. on set doing that. Yeah, I mean, we were calling it right because remember going back way back in episode, we heard yeah. that he was on set or something where he's doing some voiceovers, and I'm so glad he showed up here. And it's actually one of my favorite scenes just to see those two because another scene we didn't mention though, but apart from the Yoda scene and Luke is the Luke and um, R two. Those yes. two scenes feel so Star Wars for me. That's when I feel like we get the real like Luke Skywalker, yeah. Mark Hamill because him and R two, he's, you know, he's talking to a droid, but it feels just like episode four or five the, the 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 talking between them the banter between the two of them and again picking up with uh with yoda here feels just like they're they're back on Empire. Dagobah, yeah. And, yeah. I, I, and i love it it's, it's that so wily good. yoda too he's right? laughing right guys he yeah. uses the lightning yeah. bolt to, you know and if there's anybody else in star wars even like uh did some outlandish power like what yoda did i would have been like what but it's it's yoda and and it works for me if this is the bendu i would have been like that's horrible but Yoda can do it and, it, and it works for me. Is it appropriate that it is probably the wisest and probably the most respected Jedi yes. that makes the decision, all right, we're going to burn this down? Well, but, but he doesn't. Well, he does, but the, the genius the part line. is, and you know yes. it, is, yeah. is that he knows the books are safe. The books are already yeah. with Rey, and yeah. he's like, go ahead, burn it down. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll living. Yeah, yeah, and the way that Luke takes that is that, okay, all the knowledge is in her head, but Yoda's being very literal yeah. about that. <laughs> Every she has everything she's gonna need from yes. her, or whatever he says. I thought that was a brilliant was line, yeah, very well executed. Yeah. And the fact that he's the one that lights fire to this and says, "You know what? Failure is what is it? Is the best failure is the best teacher? Best teacher, yeah, yeah." yeah. And yeah. I think that's great. And like that is a direct hit at Luke. Yes. Like you failed, but look, you've got someone else, someone here that can carry on this legacy. Because you look at what Ray says to him at the start, she kind of rambles off a few things about Luke Skywalker, and he says it's amazing because everything you said is absolutely wrong. Yeah, and then he uses that same line later on yeah. on the flip side of things. Yeah, right. He's come around full circle when Kylo Ren says, "I'm going to strike you." I'm paraphrasing a yeah. lot of this, but essentially, I'm going to kill you, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You're going to be the last of the Jedi. Yeah. And he says, "You are very, very everything you said there is absolutely yeah. wrong." Yeah. yeah, and I thought that was a great take on this and that's why i'm seeing a lot of the character development of luke and you're coming from a very dark place back to almost this luke skywalker that we were expecting to be on screen for the entire time yes and you see growth in yoda you know you see the end of the chapter from the prequel yoda and the dagobah yoda to here you know he's learned from all those mistakes just by him dropping that line you know failure is the best teacher yeah Yeah. brilliant so good great yoda and before we, we get to the end of of this film and the big battle sequence at the end, we take a brief pit stop at Canto Bite. Now we're not going to go into too much detail. We can maybe elaborate this on some other time because yeah. this, again, it feels very out of place yes. within this film. And maybe we could have shortened this up and spent a bit more time with Luke and Yoda or Luke and Rey or even Kylo Ren and Snoke is seeing that, that development of those characters together in scenes, having interactions. 
But the one thing that I do want to talk about here is once Finn and Rose and BB-8 get this slicer that is DJ and Benicio Del Toro's character, kind of a cool character. I like the stutter and all that. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of a cool portrayal. But they eventually infiltrate Snoke's uh, ship, the Supremacy, in an effort to shut down the, the tracker so that they're able to jump to light speed without being tracked by the First Order. But this is where we get the introduction of one, the cool stormtroopers, the executioner stormtroopers, and two, Captain Phasma comes yeah. back. Now, there's a four issue miniseries that explained her leaving Starkiller Base and now eventually showing back up on the supremacy here. And the impression that I got from all of the lead in material between the novel, which I haven't read yet, and also the four issue comic book series, is that Phasma was going to play a much larger role in this film. Well, <laughs> didn't really get that she's no. in this for maybe two minutes yeah, maybe even less than the force awakens it's you're probably Pretty right on par yeah yeah is that possible <laughs> yeah. what like how what was your perception of captain phasma here is this another character that ryan johnson looked at and said i don't really know what to do with you so i'm gonna bring you into the story with finn and poe there's or finn and rose there seems to be a relationship there between finn and phasma you get that from the before the awakening book yeah which is really good which i was really hoping for a bit more development on that and that eventually come episode nine you're gonna see this final showdown we get a bit of a fight between finn and phasma it kind of ends weird with him falling off very reminiscent of back to the future when he falls off yeah and lands on the yeah yeah, lands on the delorean comes up and smacks her newer yeah (laughs) Yeah, um, man, uh, it's so unfortunate for for Gwendolyn Christie. Right? Yeah, she's such a, such a great actress, and she she got gypped again here, even more so I'd say than than Force Awakens, because at least in Force Awakens they really didn't know what to do with her because they actually thought she was going to be Kylo Ren, at least the armor. So that yeah. she was really a, like a last minute thought. Here they should have redeemed her. We got the comic, we got the novel, and they they build her up to be like just a badass. And and Finn's my dude. Yeah, Finn is completely my dude. He, there's no way he should have been able to beat. Phasma. I'm glad he did because I didn't want him to die, but there's no way he should be able to take out Phasma. And I just felt like that was a wasted opportunity. Like, we barely saw her. She, like, why wasn't she chasing down Finn? Like, I would have liked an arc where she was chasing them down the whole time. At least we would have had some more camera time with her. Yeah, she's pursuing She goes to, like, more. Canto Bite or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's unfortunate for that character. She's she's definitely not surviving this one. Yeah. <laughs> no, because that's the other thing I was going to ask is, like, she's fallen into this pit now of fire. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to have another four-issue miniseries where it's like, oh, by the way, she got off the supremacy. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Don't you worry. yeah. I, I mean, you know what? We might have to start looking at Star Wars canon when it comes out. Um, if a character's getting so many books and figures and, and toys and whatnot... Those are the same things. Um, <laughs> then maybe we're not going to get much of that character. Maybe they, they're going to oh, die. Like if Phasma gets a four, yeah. it, four mini part series of a comic yeah. in a novel, then chances are they're probably not making it out. They haven't even released a black series of Phasma or three of, three quarter inch. Of the new model. Because it's pretty much it's the, the same, same. But we, we've gotten repeat characters already. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, Kylo. Kylo Ren's pretty yeah, much the same. The same yeah. in that. But maybe that should have given us indication that we weren't getting anything right. over because... Like, she's one of the few characters that we haven't seen in action figure form outside of the Elite series. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's a tough one because you get this character that we all want to see more of. Close to the Stormtrooper. She's yeah, killed off yeah, even... Like, at least her death was, or her apparent death in Force Awakens was off screen. Yeah. This one is, is you're looking at her if she falls yeah. into this <laughs> fire, right? Uh, and the cheesy line that she, like, sucks that, I mean, she lost, but 
she says you rebel and he's like rebel scum and I was like no like some of those lines were really bad in this movie there's a lot of um Independence Day moments where they're, they're, <laughs> they're yelling like if, if you think Anakin's yippee in the pod race is bad like in this movie there's a lot of them like just yelling out nonsense which I, I don't really appreciate yeah. I don't really need I shouldn't say appreciate I just yeah. don't really need that kind of stuff but for Ka- for Phasma's last words to hear friends say make that rebel scum or whatever I was like ah <laughs> just, just go. Just so, go. Yeah. There, there's a little bit of disconnect with with Finn's character because it, it kind of strikes me that you're bringing up about him not being able to beat Phasma. Because if you read before the Awakening, he's played off like this elite soldier. Yes. And then he goes back and he makes reference in this one too about I'm know, off those floors. I'm off the yeah. floors and I would work sanitation. Yes. You you get a big disconnect like he was kind of this goofball. Yeah. But then in the before the Awakenings, they play him off as like this soldier. And you see his bat, like you see it when he fights Traitor as well. Yeah. Because that's the character in Before the Awakening that he that he has that he comes up with. Yeah. And so you see that nice connection there. And Phasma's in that book, and yeah. he's part of that squadron. And then I I see before I take more stake in the Before the Awakening in developing Finn's military abilities, right. his fighting abilities, and that's what we're seeing on screen. But in reflection of the character, you're not still not getting that. You're not getting him developing the plans. It's, it's all about Poe. You're not. He's just kind of along for the ride. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I want to mention too is it's it's pretty goofy and it kind of feels like, you know, when we go back to the Rebel show, it's very inconsistent. Much like how they handle Ezra. One minute Ezra's like goofy, and the next minute he's throwing down with yeah. with Vader. You know, and, and same with uh, Finn. Finn was throwing down with Kylo. The next minute he's being tased. By, by oh race. yeah, yeah like, those inconsistencies driving nuts, and I remember when he mentioned that, or in the movie when he says, "I, I used to mop those fours." It's like, oh, come on, let's get him, over that. It like, makes him seem like a goofball, right? That goofball, because yeah. he's he's like the first in his class, or yeah, like that right? Yeah, and like yeah. they did in that book, he does like simulations where they're running around, and there's this guy I can't remember what his his designation is, but he's essentially carrying him around and saying, "No, you can do it," and yeah. all this. But then you get into the Force Awakens, and he has some hesitation because coming off the back end of that, it was all simulations. This is his first in suit battle where he's taking down innocent people right. and you see that hesitation like i have all these skills yes but i'm not willing to do this to humans that right. don't deserve it and then you see that struggle i like that yeah here like it's like it's always that that's that reference and he is to a degree he's a really funny guy yeah but they shouldn't use him as just a comedic character exactly he doesn't need to be that yeah, he needs to be time. a bit more having much more of a, an interaction with phasma would have elevated him to another level yeah and given him that opportunity to develop beyond being the comedic relief or the romantic involvement with with rose right because right. there's a lot of weight between those two because i mean phasma even lies for finn yeah you know, finn did something once before and i think it's in force awakens where the officer confronts her and being like, is this his first offense? And she's, and she's like, no, no, never, never done it. But, but he did mm-hmm. before. So obviously she likes this character because he's top ranks in his class. So I wish they kind of sorted that out. Yeah. 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 I think I remember too. Now <laughs> we're going back and forth here, but we're talking about Ray's parentage. And I don't know if I ever had, I can't remember if I put my thoughts in about that. I think you said they, uh, Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, no, what were your thoughts on that though? No, I well, I didn't really like it. Yeah. But I think he's lying. Oh, yeah, you, you did think mention he's that. Lying? Yeah, did I, did think, I yeah. mention that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I'm just reading through my notes here yeah. as we go. I'm like, did I really, did yeah. I touch okay. it? I think, uh, I think JJ is going to pick that up and do I, something I completely really different so. with it. Yeah. No, because I think Ryan Johnson in an interview, he said, like, he could be lying, but he doesn't think he is. So I think he's saying, like, oh, yeah, like Kyle Ren doesn't believe he is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because, like, he's reading um ray's thoughts in that moment so ray maybe like that's her worst fear 
is that her parents are nobodies. Right. And so that's what Kyle's picking up on. But maybe she doesn't even know. But he's still manipulating her at that point, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's he's he's telling her that to try to let her like he talks about killing the past right yes. or forget the past even if you have to kill it mm-hmm. so in his mind he's maybe trying to slay her past and saying look look no further like there's nothing there yeah come with me yeah yeah that exactly thing. that's that's kind of how i'm taking it and yeah. the fact that i think it to me it's still there that she there, there could be a larger lineage but then when you go back to the end of the film the, the random orphan kid that pulls the broom. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that might be a nod towards the fact that you don't need to be a Kenobi or a Palpatine or yeah. a Skywalker to be powerful in the Force. It can just happen, mm. right? Like it just happened with Anakin. Yeah, which, which we've always gotten, right? I yeah. mean, you go back to the Jedi Academy, there's been tons of Jedis that don't have that lineage, but it's the, it's the Skywalker lineage that's pretty powerful. But Rey could still be powerful. She's just not related to any of those characters. You bring up a good point about the Skywalker lineage. And for me, who only watches the movies, Mm -hmm. Luke Skywalker is like the Superman or like the Iron Man of the franchise. Like he is the guy. So like, you know, I've always known of Luke Skywalker, even though I haven't seen all the movies growing up, I'd be like, oh yeah, Luke Skywalker. Like he is the man, him and Darth Vader. Darth Mm -hmm. Vader's bad. Luke Skywalker's good. And... You know, so it's like, I'm super excited, you know, Force Awakens comes out, and I, I just watched, like, the original trilogy, and I'm like, Luke Skywalker is awesome, and then he's, oh, Force Awakens, oh, he's coming back, like, this is awesome, and then Last Jedi, oh, he's gonna be in it more, like, oh, that's awesome, and and then at the end, they, they kill him. Yeah. They kill Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I know. We haven't even talked about this, we're two hours into this film, and we haven't even talked about it. Luke Skywalker is dead. Yes, he's very dead. <laughs> Can we put a pin in that just for maybe five minutes? Okay. We got to talk about one kick-ass action sequence before we get that. Cool. We've talked about the death of Snoke. We've talked about the supremacy here. We've got Finn Rose. Everyone is on this ship. We've got Haldu eventually cutting through this thing in an epically shot sequence. Cool. Amazing. Cinematography, turning off the sound there, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But the thing that one of my favorite sequences here outside of the start of the Battle of Krayt is this fight with Kylo ray and the praktorian guards after snoke is killed this is one of the if not the best lightsaber sequences in star wars outside of maybe that vader sequence at the end of rogue one yeah this almost takes the cake for me i was (laughs) on the edge of my seat for this there's some really cool stuff in here it's very quick it's not so much like the prequels where you're flipping and spreading all that yeah it's very very graceful in its execution and some of the scenes here, when Ray drops the lightsaber and then re- bends out and recatches it, that was and, oh, cuts the guy open, and then that when she chucks it to Kylo and he catches it, and, oh, oh man, that those are awesome. the two highlights for me. Awesome, yeah. awesome scenes. Yeah. yeah, just and like you said, to the backdrop of all the red yeah. in the throne room, you've got pieces of Snoke laying there. You've got all these <laughs> really cool, like we've never seen the Emperor Royal Guards really in action. Yeah. And this is a bit of, of that, I think. Yeah, like that cool whip, how like he yeah. can like, bend it with his arms. Oh, yeah, that was really cool. His lightsaber. Yeah, and the, that was cool. And yeah. they seem to have a bit more powers because they're able to deflect a bit more of the lightsabers, right? Yeah. Lightsabers just weren't chopping through yeah. the, their weapons and all that. That's right. But this is a fantastic scene, and I love how it ends. Them struggling. Again, this comes to, to the balance idea. Both of them are struggling over this lightsaber, and it eventually pops in half. Yeah. And it, it, I this to me is 
where their movie like I, I've really really enjoyed it to this point but this to me is where it absolutely takes this off this one kicks up for sure yeah like this is next level lightsaber battle and then we go into the battle of crate and the, the this comes down to me like you said the cinematography before this this is an unreal battle like the the consequences of it are huge but also how it looks the white and then the pops of red mm-hmm. oh man did yeah. i love oh. this epic 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 like when they're standing and they're getting the tie fighters shooting the ground and the ground's popping red yeah, yeah. oh man you get these viewing <laughs> looking ships that have the, the whatever it is that's kind of put down oh, those rust bucket kind of things yeah oh yeah the, yeah, yeah the shitty ships yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you've got the, the red smoke almost looking like coming yeah. behind them this is a really cool scene now we're gonna get a comic book called storms of cray which is going to go into a bit more detail about this being a former rebel base something that luke and leia both go and look at prior to episode six or five sorry five, yes. empire strikes back and so it's gonna be cool to tie all that together what are you guys thoughts on this final big battle sequence on crate? Um, before I get into that, just quickly at the end of the fight with uh, Ray and Kylo, and he's like, "Join me." Should have joined him, man. Like it would have made sense because they took out the big bad, and then the um, first order is like should have joined him, and then she could have changed the f- first order from the inside. Like I don't, I don't know what the rebels' plans are about changing the first order if they win this fight i mean they have like 20 people left so i don't know how they're going to rule the entire galaxy but she could she could have you know she could take over but that is just my thoughts i was like ah join them it would have been such an interesting story like if she joined with kylo and then you set up like these new guys and then like luke comes back with leia and then they got a battle like new versus old that would have been cool to see something like that as well um but the battle of crate is it yeah. I loved it. Um, missed missed opportunity. Kylo should have been like, I hate salt. That would have been so cool if he, <laughs> he said that. Gets everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's so coarse. That's and, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> missed missed opportunity. If he wants to be like his grandpa, he should have said that. But no, it looks beautiful and the reds and uh, it's just a very cool looking scene. They could have had this fight in a million different places. I'm glad they chose the white and the red. And red really seems to be the color of this movie. Yeah. Look at the movie poster. It's red. Snoke's throne room is red. Even the black series, the background is red. I don't know if they're always red, but in this case, no. they look to be red. So, And then the red smoke plumes coming up. Definitely red is in. And uh, I dug it. It looked beautiful, as you said. It's just something. That's what we go to see Star Wars. It's something we've never seen before on film. And this is one of those scenes. Yeah. It's got walkers too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Why did um, Kylo Ren going back to that lightsaber? Why did he want that lightsaber? Was it just because it was his grandfather's? Because this... it was Luke's. Because I mean, he certainly didn't need it, right? He had his. Yeah, had that's his a good own... question. I'm, I'm trying to think back. This is another thing that we're gonna have to come back to yeah. at some point because yeah. it's the, the the first thing I said when we walked to this film was this was a really dense film. Yeah. yeah. And even though I've seen it two times and just seeing it, I know. it's hard to pick up on everything. Yeah. It's exact motivation as to why I wanted it. Because I liked at the end, too, she's holding it, and you can see the kyber crystal in it. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Really, yeah. really cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you guys you guys covered it all with Crate. Crate was um, was awesome. What more can I say about that? But then leading in to when Luke shows up. That's... Oh. That was that was huge. That this... was huge. He comes in with the hood. He kind of reminded me of Obi-Wan. You know, when you first see Obi-Wan, he's kind of yeah. coming in kind of weird. Yeah. Um, then you finally see Luke come in, and it's kind of very reminiscent of that um that, that was great and he has this moment with carrie fisher which was just oh, oh man yeah. that was that was incredible does it does it two. bother you at all that they never had a 
a physical reunion. Like they they did, mm -hmm. but it was a, a forced projection. They never had that, and the exchange of the dice as well was really cool. Yeah, you know, the, I feel bad for the dice because the dice wasn't actually physically there. But yeah. apart from that, because they've always had that connection anyways, where you know, like I mentioned before with Bespin, they had that mental connection. But to for her to actually see Luke and to see Luke in a way that she liked, because this isn't the Luke that's on the island. This looks right. like a Luke that's younger that trained Kylo. Probably the last uh, time she saw Luke, he looked like that. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's kind of cool. His hair was shorter. So that was great. Um, the, the the weird thing was was the lightsaber that he chose, which was the one that he just destroyed. So the, the lightsaber that Luke chose is the lightsaber that Kylo Ren literally just destroyed. But did he know it got destroyed? Because it kind of blew up and he yeah. was knocked unconscious. And then, oh, okay. and then so Ray like realized. scooped it up yeah, and took off, true. right? That's true. Uh, I, I just wish, like, just for the sake of it, they just gave him the green one. Yeah, like, just just give us the green, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the one the one thing I wonder about it, and it was it was a cool idea, this concept, and it was something different we've seen from the Force, him actually projecting himself. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, it would have probably made more sense for the green because I'm curious if people were seeing him in a different light, like because he was projecting himself. Were people seeing him as they last saw him or as they remembered him? That's why I always took why he looked younger. Right. Because at first I was like, where did he take a pit stop to cut his hair and dye his beard? Exactly. Yeah. And all that. And it, they've done some, I think, CGI manipulating of his body. Yeah. Because his legs looked a bit longer than, like, <laughs> he looked a bit out of proportion. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, if you're going to project yourself, I'm going to project my best self, <laughs> yeah, right? of course. I'm yeah. not going to project 30-year-old me. I'm going to project like when I was in my prime, like 25-year-old me. Like, yeah. You know, I'm not going to project his old bum. <laughs> well, the cool thing is, though, right, is that we did get to see Luke kind of fight, but I wanted him actually there. I didn't actually want the Force power. The Force power was kind of cool. I still feel like the, the Kylo and the Rey connection was the best Force power we saw in this whole movie. This is the best new power they introduced to us. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when you go back to Octu, you we see the X-wing in the water. So yes. nice. Luke went back in the X-wing and he's he went to create. Did you think there's gonna be a Yoda moment where he lifts up the X-wing? That would have been pretty cool. And said like, boom, it's there. I'm in out. That would have been awesome. Let's that would have been awesome. But even just that nod to seeing that X-wing and then we piece together, okay, well that's how he's on, uh, crate. Yeah, that would have yeah. totally been fine with. The cool thing is with the hologram, uh, watch it the second time. Luke's feet never. I didn't, I didn't catch go. that. Oh, yeah, yeah I never got that. Uh, well, okay, some of the guys we went with, we went and had a beer after. Yeah. Yeah. Someone mentioned that to me. Yeah. I never caught that yeah, until the second time. Yeah, because when Kylo slides right through him, yeah. you see Kylo's skin marks, but you don't see like Luke's... There's when he does there. that weird yeah. like bend thing. Yeah. yeah. Do, now, when I watched this the first time, I can honestly say, I don't know if that was me just being in the moment or not. I thought he was actually there. Luke? Yeah. Yeah, I thought, yeah I, me too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, never, I thought he came in the next one. Yeah, yeah I yeah. never thought any different. Yeah. And I, then I really, really, when he kind of went and struck through him, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, man, we're going Obi-Wan here. Oh, I th oh Did you okay. think he like was this, dead? I thought he was sacrificing himself because Poe makes that, that reference, right? He's, he's distracting him so that the resistance can live on. Yeah. The same way that Obi-Wan made that sacrifice for Luke, Leia, Han and Chewie, right? Yeah. Is that he let himself die for the greater good. He gave himself for the force so that they could escape. Right. And I was seeing Luke in that same way that, okay, he's going to let Kylo, Kylo strike him down. Right. So that the rest of them can escape. Right. I, and when he went right through him, I was like, well, that's a new force power. Yeah. Like how that happened. Yeah, exactly. How that worked. Yeah. But that, the scene when, you know, he puts the, uh, all the cannons on Luke 
And I was like, okay, hey, Kylo Ren, you're a coward. Like that's that's kind of lame. <laughs> but at the same time, when he's shooting, because I'm still thinking this is Luke, I'm like, whoa, yeah. this is this is like some Dragon Ball Z stuff. Like he's dodging all these these yeah. lasers. This is awesome. And then I thought he's gonna do like um some Rebel stuff because in Rebels we'll, we've seen Kanan like take on an AT-AT with his lightsabers. Yeah. Something oh nice. We got Luke hop around like Yoda. And he's gonna take down these weapons. And I'm like, oh shoot. We didn't, we didn't <laughs> the get dust that. off the shoulder. That sucked for me. I, I did really because yeah. the whole audience laughed. I know. I know, and, and I was like, should they be laughing at that, that scene? You know it, what the thing is? It wasn't the fact that he did this. It just didn't look cool. I mean, he doesn't have the swagger to pull no. it off. It wasn't even the fact that he wanted to do that. It just what's well, is your same reference to when they're talking about the big ass door? Is it is it too much real world? Yes. in Star Wars, yes, like the casino and then that and the yeah. big ass door, it just feels too much like our planet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we didn't even talk about the leprechaun in the casino. Oh, and, the, and, the, and the money coming yeah. out of uh, BB-8. That was that like was a prequel. Very prequel era like, stuff. Uh, With the oil. oil. Yeah. Uh, I got that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> now, back to, as you had mentioned, the, the death, death of Luke Skywalker. He's gone. Luke Skywalker. I don't think he, he's not gone. He's but physically gone. You will see him as a force ghost. But... Yeah. He's just a force ghost. Like, is he gonna be behind like Ray making pottery with her? Like, ghost. he's just a ghost now, right? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I I feel you though. I wish they didn't kill him off. At least not for this this movie. I still feel like there's no reason why he couldn't have been present on that planet and done what he's done. He he could have defeated Kylo Ren. I mean, he's Luke Skywalker. He could have. Yeah, Kylo Ren is no that. match for Luke. But again, like I mentioned before, so going back to this movie and revisiting it the second time, I do appreciate Luke more so because. The Luke that you see at the beginning of this movie is pretty much the Luke you see at the end. Like he sticks to his guns. He he still feels the same way about the Jedi. He feels yeah. the exact same way. He wasn't leaving that island. He didn't. He yeah. Didn't leave that <laughs> island, right? Give him credit. Yeah. Now, now, yeah. did he die from the physical strain of projecting himself and doing all this, or did he give himself to the Force with the knowledge that okay, Ray is there. She can be the one that can carry this mantle. I've now allowed Poe Finn. And Leia, the, what is going to be now the core of the Resistance to live on, to fight another day against the First Order? Like, how do you think that he came to the conclusion, or maybe Ryan Johnson came to the conclusion, that it was appropriate for Luke Skywalker to die in that moment? Very similar to the way that, that Yoda dies. Just right. kind of disappears, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it must have been a strain. I think that power must take a lot. And for Luke's age, too, at that point, he's... <clears throat> Luke doesn't age like oh, Yoda. He's not like 900 years old. He yeah. just ages like a regular person. So I think mm-hmm. doing that force power at that age probably takes a lot of toll on his on his body. Because, I mean, if you go back, I'm guessing this all takes place roughly within the same day. We just saw Luke, you know, squeezing milk out of something. <laughs> and then he's he's hopping across the sea with his uh, his big um, hunting spear, right? His fish pole. So yeah. he seemed like he was relatively healthy at the time, but then this obviously took quite a bit of a toll on his body. Yeah. yeah. He didn't even, if he could have like manifested himself, he could have just been lying in bed the whole time and just force ghosted some fish and brought it and some milk. Like why even get up at that point, right? Like you don't have to do anything. You could just think about how awesome that power would be. If I could have one Star Wars power, it'd be that, you know, snowing outside today in Calgary. You'd be like, all right, well, I'm not going to go into work, but my force ghost will. Like how cool <laughs> is that? You'll be dead. Yeah. It's like an astral projection like Doctor Strange. Yeah. Well, that's what I we'll took it as. Two weeks. <laughs> I, guess it, I guess that is. He does because he goes to the planet to fight him and he like, he's there. You know, he picks up like dice and stuff. So, which were those dice? Like, did we see those dice in the movies before, or was that? Just yeah, so that's a nod of it to I think what's gonna we're gonna see in the Han Solo movie. Oh, they're in A New Hope. 
Oh, okay. There are dice hanging from the Falcon. Oh. And I think the original set were actually stolen. Cool. Oh, really? Um, so I think that was maybe a nice nod to something we could see. I think there's even talks that those dice might have been the reason he won the ship from Lando. Cool. Oh, okay. So cool. it's something that like, extends all the way back in the lineage of, of Han Solo. So it might be more of a nod to the coming Han Solo movie, just kind of linking that up a little bit more. Speaking of Lando, I thought, you know, when they did the Resistance call, we we're going to see, well, hello there. You know, we we're going to see yeah. Lando. Yeah, episode play. nine. Ah, he better, you, man. You think so? Think I, so I think Billy D. I think yeah. that the, the the call to arms is going to be for the Resistance now, right? They're down to, what, 10 people? Yeah. Kind yeah. of a, a small core of people with a Jedi. Yeah. Like, it, it reminds me a bit of Rebels, kind of. Yeah. Like, yeah. in the sense that they've got this this small group of people. And they're all going to have their own stories. It's going to be about rebuilding the resistance to oppose the first order. Yeah. And, but overall, you know what? Like the death of Luke Skywalker, was I expecting it? No. No. Um, am I okay with it? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Like, I think that it's, it, it almost becomes a step that I, they need to go because I think they're going to go Force Ghost. So I'm not concerned with not seeing in the same sense that we're not going to see Han Solo ever mm-hmm. again. I think we're going to see Luke Skywalker all over the place in episode nine. Yeah. I think he's going to be a big part of it. If he can do what he did already, imagine what he can do now. Like, yeah. look what Yoda's doing. He's essentially physically present because yeah. he's smacking Luke with the, yeah. with the cane and all, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's, is, is there or is the force progressed to a point where it no longer is bound by the physicality of life and death? Like, can you, maybe not in the same way because Luke never really touches Kylo he kind of moves around his lightsaber a yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, that kind of stretch or that leap between the physical world and what is the force or some sort of astral projection isn't quite there. But Yoda proved that maybe it is. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm not concerned about it. Like I thought that it maybe didn't suit kind of the end. Yeah. The same way that maybe... I, maybe we're looking or I was looking for a much grander death of Luke Skywalker. Totally. Uh, but this seemed like a sacrificial death. Like, if I'm going to do this, this is a one and done type thing. If I do this astral or this force projection, then that is my sacrifice. I have to give myself to the force for allowing me to do this. Mm. That's maybe kind of how I'm taking it yeah. in my head a bit more. Yeah. It's I- overall greater good sacrifice. Because I do like the whole turnaround, you know, with the, the twin sons, obviously, you know, coming yeah. down. Like, I thought that was nice. Like, that yeah. that really worked for me. That was, moment. That moment was great. It was, um, like, yeah, that makes it a good send-off. I just, I wanted more of that fight. I mean, going back to Vader in Rogue One, obviously, then the fight you just mentioned uh, before with the duel of, I don't know what we'd call it, the duel on um, Snoke's lair there. Yeah. Whatever that yeah. was. That, like, that's supremacy. The supremacy. Like, that was great. And I, I felt like this is the last time we're going to see Luke fight. I wanted more. I really want more of like the actual combat of, of Luke with the lightsaber. Yeah. We never really got to see Luke throw down. We've seen a little bit in the comics and the games, but now I really want that Sebastian Stan movie, the standalone, just give me yeah. him playing Luke in his prime and, and mowing down some people with that lightsaber. But is there anyone left that's on Luke's level after Snoke is gone? Like Ray or uh, Kylo Ren isn't on Luke's level. Well, that's the thing. I always feel like since the prequels, the Jedi's since Vader and probably have gotten weaker. Like, really Luke's never really been trained properly in the ways of the Jedi like yeah. he's not whipping around a lightsaber like Kit Fisto or any of those guys no. or Mace Windu right and then Rey's underneath Luke so I feel like they're kind of getting weaker in a sense like if you took some of those Jedi guys the, some of the Jedi's from the Jedi Order yeah. and had them fight those um 
those guards yeah. that Kylo and Ray struggled with, like they would have yeah. taken them out, like no problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy, easy. Yeah. Well, guys, you know we're two hours and ten minutes here. <laughs> this is going to be one of our longer episodes and very deserving. And you know what? We probably didn't touch on everything we needed to. I think we hit on the main points and we heard some of our grievances and also highlighted some of the things that I think this film did really well. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I could ask you guys a question. All right. Do you recommend <laughs> Star Wars: The Last Jedi? Uh, I'll go first because mine's probably the shortest. Absolutely, um, everyone's talking about the film, so if you don't want to be left out, go and see it. Make up your own mind. Um, do you agree with the critics? Do you agree with the uh, audience score? What do you agree with? At the end of the day, these movies are made. Uh, everyone takes something different out of them. I've said this before for numerous other films. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a terrific film. Okay. <laughs> Um, so go and watch these movies for yourself and I would definitely recommend it. You cannot not see it. So yeah, everyone else has seen it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's a Star Wars film, right? If you're listening to this, obviously you like Star Wars, so you you have to see this film. You can't not see this film. Um, all films subjective and and so is humor and, uh, humor doesn't work with (laughs) this film so much. Um, so uh, it's, it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but it's not like a horrible film by any means. It's just not really up there for my standards and uh it is i i feel there's more bad than good in this film but it's not a horrible film <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well you know as we've we've talked through this like i said we, we've put a few things on the table here that i want us to talk about a bit more in the future and do i personally recommend this of course i'm a huge star wars fan I always will be is this the best star wars film since empire strikes back Probably not. Does this film accomplish what it needs to? 100% yes. Introduces us to a whole bunch of new concepts within the Star Wars universe, whether it's the Force, Luke Skywalker, and some of the great character development that we get from Kylo Ren. This is an appropriate second step to this trilogy. Coming back to J.J. Abrams, getting back to maybe more of that nostalgic approach, maybe we're going to see a bit more of that. But we've got a fresh slate for J.J. Abrams to work off of now. And I think that's really going to benefit him and the character developments and the narrative that they could place into episode nine to give us a really worthy conclusion for this original or this first trilogy within what I'm going to call the Disney era of Star Wars. I loved what they did with some of the character elements in here. My second viewing, I got through a lot of the things that I did have issues with coming out on the other side. But standing on the other side of this, I really enjoyed it my first viewing. I saw some of the flaws that we pointed out, but I also saw a lot of the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a Star Wars film. It's fun. The The space scenes are, the battles are epic. The battles are awesome. The, the lightsaber dueling is absolutely fantastic. No, we don't get all the answers to things, but there's also a lot of questions that are posed at the end of this. So I'm looking forward to revisiting this with maybe our dude, Izzy Nobre, who absolutely hated this <laughs> film. I'd like to bring in some other people to talk about some of the details of this and see where fandom lies on this broad spectrum of this film is let's get some perspective of of people that didn't like it and maybe bring in a few other people that that really did like it from out in the commonwealth there so i want to try to continue this dialogue as we go into the new year because we're coming up on episode 100 next week wow it's crazy right and we're gonna be doing our year in review for 2017 talking to you best in 
comics best in movies best in tv shows we did our collecting episode with Corey from over the tumbling saber yeah. a couple of weeks ago so check that one out so we're going to be staying a little bit away from the collecting because we already kind of wrapped it up for 2017 but overall this has been an absolute blast guys i love talking star wars we're finally here it's time to drive towards han solo in six months and follow it up with episode nine but like i said we're going to be revisiting this and if you guys have some input into the show or want to talk a little bit more about some of the ideas you had for the force Awakens, not for the force Awakens, for the last jedi that maybe <laughs> we missed on or some of the ideas that may be a bit more controversial coming from the table tonight make sure to email us at the nerdrm at gmail.com you can hit us up on facebook or youtube you can also grab us on twitter our handles are at the end of the episode and you can also grab us at the nerdroom.com Net. We're going to be picking up the momentum here going into the new year for the Nerd Room with episode 100. We're talking about launching another retrospective series. We're going to get back on board with the MCU coming into the new year. Now that I'm fully moved, we can get concentrating back on the important things like reviewing Iron Man 3, The Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy. So we've got big movies to drive into before we get to Avengers Infinity War. Now, guys, last thing I'm going to do here before we sign off very, very quickly, because we're really extended time here, is Star Wars rankings. Uh-oh. Where do you put The Last Jedi? Oh, my goodness. Oof. That's a toughie. All right. Um, Honestly, somewhere in the middle. Um, I'd have to think of it. Definitely prefer Force Awakens, Rogue One, Empire. Um, What's the first one called? The First no. Jedi? Yeah, you know, hope. the first Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, even maybe some of the prequels, like the last one, I really like. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. That's a solid one. Oh yeah. Um, not a big fan of the s- episode Attack six. Oh, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's just doesn't do it for me. And uh, Phantom Menace. Hmm. So this would probably be on like what's episode two? You just said Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. A little bit above Attack of the Clones. There's a lot of similar scenes. Yeah. Uh, what, about, um, what about you, Troy? The yeah, boy. I, I go um, Empire. Empire is number one. Uh, Revenge of the Sith is my number two. Force Wings is my number three. And uh, shoot, Return of the Jedi, number four. A New Hope. And then Phantom Menace, Rogue One. Wow. Yeah. Um, this guy, uh, Last Jedi, is down there. And then uh, Attack of Clones is, is the last. It's so you like Phantom Menace. Yeah above this oh yeah oh yeah duel of fates oh i love duel of fates yeah <laughs> yeah i'll take that uh, jar 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 is horrible but, <laughs> but you know every every star's movie has that that thing that yeah. you just don't like whether it's more tullet whatever it's called or more gullet more gullet yeah there's all that kind of stuff there, there's always those things that you got to skip but yeah. um yeah i'll still take my phantom menace over this movie for now wow yeah Jeez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, Who would have thought Troy would be harsher on Star Wars than me? <laughs> there you go. I, I thought we were reviewing. That's know? the beauty of it yeah. all. Who would have thought, thought I walked out of Justice League, a movie that wasn't on my most anticipated film. And you liked and it. And I felt okay walking out of that. Yeah. The first time. I'm not saying it's better. I'm just, you know, I felt better walking out of that film. Yeah, that's that why you got to go see the movies, as we always say. Exactly. Make your own opinions. Exactly. Make your own opinions. That's what I love that's about this. That's all about. We love yeah. talking through. Eh? We were able to do this without anyone throwing any huge yeah. insults at another human being. <laughs> exactly. For now. For now. Just don't listen to our Batman v Superman <laughs> review episode. That's when hey, things get hairy. I never insulted a single person. <laughs> I don't think. Anyways, my ranking, of course, yes. Empire Strikes Back yes. again. I've got Rogue One right at the top Ooh, there. I wow. Yeah. New Hope, Force Awakens, yeah. The Last Jedi. And then Return of the Jedi, I don't know. Then Last Jedi, to me, are kind of like tumbling around there in the middle. Return of the Jedi and Last Jedi? 
Yeah, like, oh, I, I got kind of them kind of. Okay. The Last Jedi right now it's hard, very fluid list. Right, it's I kind of got it stuck in the middle. Yeah, amongst these, like I, I, I when I walked into Rogue One last year, I was in love with yeah. that film. I was just floored by how good that film is. And that still ranks really high for nice. me. Absolutely. And this one, I didn't have this quite the same reaction walking out of the theater. That's kind of what I'm basing it off of. So it's sitting kind of there in the middle. I think I like Force Awakens a bit better than this one. And where's Force Awakens sit, sir? Uh, I've got Empire, Rogue One, New Hope, Force Awakens. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So somewhere in the middle there, yeah. kind of with you, Sanjay. It's kind of floating around there amongst Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith at this point in time. Yeah. And we'll see how that changes with repeat viewings. Probably a third one coming up here over Christmas. And it's solo around yeah, the corner. solo yeah. around the corner. And that's one thing. Oh, sorry. Sorry, before, before we uh, close up and wrap up, we always talk about first box office weekends. What about second? Any quick predictions on what the second weekend's going to bring? And so first one was 220 or 215? 220. 220. What do you think second weekend? Is this thing going to drop? I mean, any predictions? Oof. I got, I got no idea. Uh, over, one, under 100 million second weekend. Just under. Yeah, under. I'm going to go under as well. Yeah, I'm going to save somewhere like around 92. Yeah. Yeah, Pitch Perfect comes out and Jumanji. Jumanji, I heard good things. Yeah, yeah. very good things. Yeah. Anyways, gentlemen, <laughs> I guess this is the last time we'll be talking to you guys before Christmas. Yeah. So yeah. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays yeah. for all same, that same you celebrate. Year, year, yeah. Hope everyone has a fantastic couple of days off. And we'll be back next week with our year in review episode, episode number 100. Doing a little bit of celebrating. We'll see. I don't know what we're going to do. I haven't quite got there yet. It's been a bit of a whirlwind type week. But overall, I hope you guys have an enjoyable time. And thank you for coming back and listening to us weekend and weekend. We really appreciate you guys. And we'll be talking to you next week. Yeah. For the 99th time, thank you for entering our nerd room. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You took my line. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. For the nerd room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. And thank you for entering, for the 99th time, (laughs) the nerd room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim's Podcast, and San Diego Sabres. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.